0: The
1: blast from our past network. Hi, this is Brian Usna. I'm the director of Return to the Living Dead Part 3 and a down-and-dirty horror fan. I like podcasting after dark
2: because it goes where I like to go. Lock your doors, close your windows, turn out your lights for chills and thrills await you. It's time for Podcasting After Dark. With your hosts, Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Stay with a friend, say your prayers as grisly ghouls close in to seal your doom. Tonight's episode, Night of the Comet, starring Catherine
0: Mary Stewart, Kelly Maroney, and Robert Beltran. Welcome to another apocalyptic episode of Podcasting After Dark. This week we are talking about the 1984 cult classic, Night of the Comet. I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. Oh, buddy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> buddy boy, buddy
0: boy. Oh man, we have uh some thoughts tonight on this one. I'm the one, your your pal Corey here, I'm the one that's gonna be breaking the movie down, and uh I picked it, so let me just actually set the stage for this a little bit before uh Zach gets into you know his experience with Night of the Comet growing up. Um, I've seen this movie before. I've seen it growing up a few times. I've actually watched it with Zach uh, a couple years ago, or at this point, probably like five or six years now, sadly. Yep. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Um, But here's the thing. I never quite loved this film. And it's not to say I ever hated it. I just never quite cared for it, and I never quite saw the appeal of it. I again, I saw it as a kid I watched it i you know it was it, it was in my wheelhouse i I've experienced it, but I was like, okay, but ever since we started doing this podcast, ever since we started podcasting after dark, people have been wanting us to do night of the comet and and it's it seems so very nostalgically heavy with a lot of people and I was like, okay. Zach, I, 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 you know, I, I've even put a little note in the, 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 you know, the Amazon box that I sent Zach so he could read it. And it's not that I want to shit on this movie by any stretch of the imagination. But I thought to myself, you know what, I want to go and revisit it with Zach and see if. If I'm missing something, what the hell did I miss that every a lot of other people and I won't say everybody, but a lot of other people seem to to see in this movie? I, I don't know what it is, and I didn't know what it was. So, I was like, you know what? At this day and age, I, I kind of uh, the only time I ever really get a chance to sit down and enjoy and, and sink my teeth into a movie is if well, if it's a new movie, great, we get to see it in the theater, that's fine, I'll pay attention to that. But like, if we're doing a movie for podcasting after dark. This is when I really get to pay attention to it. So I'm like, I'm like, man, you know, I know that like the whole impetus behind our podcast is to revisit these movies that we remembered fondly as a kid, but I'm just going to flip it on, on the coin on its side and just say, I can remember it as a kid. And I just wanted to see what the experience was like with just a, a fresh set of eyes on this thing. So. That's where I'm coming at this this review from, and and this experience from. Zach, where, what's your background with the movie?
2: Well, I think you you hit it really well with your uh, your little intro. Uh, and for me, I grew up watching this movie as a kid fairly often. Uh, I know my brother Eric loved it, and so that was the reason he was the one that would rent these movies came out in 84. So, uh, I think he was, you know, he was the one renting all the movies and getting all the horror injected into me. Mm -hmm. And I remember as as a kid, uh, I remember key moments from this film that stood out that I enjoyed. And I think what has happened over the years for me personally was my fondness for it remained because of those certain scenes in the movie. Uh, I forgot a lot about what had happened throughout the whole thing. So when I watched it with you a few years back, that was the first time I had seen it in the better part of 10, 15, almost 20 years. Uh, and then, uh, and we'll talk a little bit about that as well, I'm sure. But um, then I had the pleasure of interviewing the two lead actors in the film, uh, Catherine Mary Stewart and Kelly Maroney, uh, last year for, uh, for a thing I was working on. And so I hadn't seen the movie up – I hadn't revisited it again prior to interviewing them. But I just know the fandom for this thing is kind of through the roof. So, yeah, when you – when we were getting all that, uh, you know, people hitting you up and and commenting on Instagram and uh, Facebook as to, like, when are we going to do Night of the Comet – Makes total sense. So when I when I opened up the Blu-ray or the package and I was like, "Oh shit, Night of the Comet." Okay, here we go. Uh, I was I wasn't surprised because I knew how popular it was. Uh, but now watching it again, I'm like, "Look, I get the nostalgia. I do. You and I are both super nostalgic. Hence the podcasts that we're doing. But I think there are times when nostalgia uh, takes over." You know, it, 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 it takes C- over the get-go. I'm going to let you cut me off.
0: Cough, cough, cyborg, cough, cough.
2: Yes, cyborg's a perfect example, dude. Because look, let's be honest. Cyborg is not a good movie. It's not a good movie. Cy- uh, Nemesis is a good B movie. Cyborg <laughs> is not... <laughs> A good movie. I
0: can't wait! I can't wait for us to watch Nemesis. Oh, Nemesis is so much fun,
2: <laughs> and you're gonna know, you're gonna see it right away, and you're gonna yeah. be like, oh, this is a fun movie. Uh, but but Cyborg is one of those. Yeah, it's a perfect example of like people going, oh my god, it's so great. It's not. Yeah, yeah. You, I think you know when when um, you know when people say, oh, you're, you you get together with your buddies from high school and trip down memory lane. And you're like, oh, you remember that time when we when we were hanging out in the car, and and then you know, and then that girl came up and she was like, oh, and then. And then then you start piecing it together and everyone's laughing. And then you go, actually, that's not what happened. Or I don't remember it being that funny. In fact, I thought it kind of sucked. <laughs> uh, perfect example, my homeboy Jamal and Jeremy and I at a subway and I told this story before and he was uh, Jeremy had a meatball sandwich and Jamal thought it would be funny if he smashed his meatball sandwich and the meatball hit me straight in the chest with my white t-shirt on and everybody laughed except for me because it wasn't funny and I, and I look back now and I'm like oh yeah that was pretty fucking funny but at the time it wasn't funny at all and I had to go the rest of the day with a giant meatball stain on my chest and people were like yeah where did you have your period And like okay first first of all that doesn't even make any sense second of right all that's just stupid yeah I had a period on my my chest, uh, so I, you know, Mr. Punctuation. Um, yeah, so I think Night of the Comet, and we'll as we break it down. For me, like, it holds n- a nostalgic place. Uh, I remember watching with Eric back in the day, and those fun times. Um, but now watching it as
0: a adult, uh, different experience. Yeah. <laughs> a little, bit, a little yeah. bit, of a different experience. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's why the voice going so high right now. <laughs> I mean, dude, I I can remember you know key moments as well, and I remember getting freaked out by the zombie cops. That that scene freaked Very me cool. out as a kid, yep. and uh, as it, as it did a, a lot of people. But uh, you know, we're we're coming in a little bit shy of ten minutes, and I just want people, <laughs> I want people to like not turn the podcast off and say okay these guys are just going to sh- like hate on and we're not like if you've listened to our our cyborg episode we have a lot of fun with movies that we don't necessarily love and one of the things that we kind of pride ourselves on is we will hone in on the good shit. We won't, like, just step over the, the shit that's good to kind of, like, make our point. We will examine the whole potpourri uh, that is Night of the Comet, the, the yes. good and the bad, you know? And like I said, I, I don't want anyone to think that this is going to be a shit fest. It's, it's not, because going into it, I truly, truly wanted to just visit it and see what everyone was seeing. I, I wanted to walk away loving this movie and 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 like I said, seeing what everyone was seeing. Now I will say just a little bit. I did walk away pleasantly surprised. Now I will say that was after my second viewing of it. I had to watch it twice in uh, in one week. Once to kind of just sort of reacclimate myself to it, and then another time to to, to break it down because it's kind of like a uh, color out of space again, where I'm I'm re- I'm breaking down a movie that I'm not that familiar with off the top yeah. of my head. So I had to I did have to make time. To watch it twice. So I've watched it twice this week. And um yeah. it's impressive. Yeah, yeah, it, it is impressive, especially for someone who does not love this film. But that being said, before we jump into it, I will reiterate one more time. There is a lot of fun in this movie, and we are going to enjoy the fun parts, but we are not gonna be shy to talk about the stuff that we don't think is that strong and does not hold up that well.
2: Yeah, and I and I, and to piggyback on what you just said, and I think this is important for people to understand, kind of on a serious note, that you know we we do this podcast out of love of these of the genre, and and I think we're also truthful. Are we Siskel and Ebert? No. Are we Leonard Maltin? No. But do we have a good sense of what we think is a decent movie? Yes. Uh so we're gonna be honest, and we're not gonna we're not trying to sell Blu-rays to shout from Shout Factory, even though they put out a great special edition so pick it up if you have a couple (laughs) bucks uh but you know we're we're not here to promote we're here to like express the love and 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 so for new fans that are checking this out they're like you're gonna shit on my favorite movie of all time no just listen and see what happens
0: yeah we're gonna have fun it'll be a fun fun ride at the end. (laughs) Uh,
2: It may be be more enjoyable than the actual movie itself.
0: Oh! And and (laughs) honestly, to be completely truthful, a lot of times uh, it happens, most of the times we're kind of, you and I are sort of sunk up on here, but uh, with... Adam and I on Cartwright, it's kind of more frequently only because we record more episodes as as they're only thirty minutes a pop. But there's plenty of times where there's been an episode of Seinfeld that I haven't cared for when I go into reviewing it with Adam. But then by the end of the conversation that we had, I actually gave it more higher points because I enjoyed the conversation. So I have no problems if. At the end of the day, I don't love the movie, but I had a great time talking about it. That gives me bonus points. That gives bonus points to the movie. So I'm excited to dig into it with Zach. I'm excited to just just talk it out, basically. That's that's half of it. Like You guys get our, our initial sort of review at the beginning of these episodes before we start breaking it down. But honestly, sometimes at the end, the review can be sort of different because of the experience of, of uh, breaking it down with Zach. Yeah. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how it goes and i'm excited to be truthful with you i'm excited to just also to sort of wrap up this part of my life to be truthful the the <sighs> night of the comet aspect of my life <laughs> night of the
2: comet it's like a meatball on your chest
0: <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> and i'm not even stoned oh, my god funny. all right man on that note zach why don't you uh take us down the the cast of characters
2: oh okay well first of all i'm gonna start with the director tom everhart yes. and 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 let's let's Okay, I got to point out a couple things, because I, I did not know he directed the movie Soul Survivor. It's one of his first movies he ever directed. If you have not seen Soul Survivor, I highly recommend it. Uh, I I own the VHS copy of it still. It is what I think Final Destination lifted from in, almost entirely. It's a little mix of Carnival of Souls meets Final Destination. Definitely worth watching. It's a really cool... Early 80s moody. uh, I think even Stranger Things might have got a little, uh, got some ideas from it. Soul Survivor.
0: Yeah, and uh, to add on to that, it has a fantastic cover.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, and I have that VHS cover. I still have that tape. Uh, I don't know. I'm sure you can find it somewhere on a a bootleg. Uh, It's worth getting. Diabolique DVD uh check them out cuz i think they might actually have a copy on there okay i oh, cool get them as a sponsor uh but yeah he directed that then he directed a lot of mainstream movies without a clue with michael Caine, uh gross anatomy uh parker lewis can't lose he directed an episode of that i love that show <laughs> i uh, used to
0: love that show man <laughs> that the show was the, the best shit, dude
2: yeah. i love that show yeah. captain ron captain ron is fucking awesome man like that's a <laughs> that's a great uh it's got it's got my boy in. It. It's got Kurt. I have a uh, I have a
0: friend back in Maryland who like Captain Ron is like his legit favorite movie.
2: I can see why. I can see why. And look, you know, that that that's that that resume alone is pretty fantastic. Uh, but yeah, that's Tom Eberhardt. He wrote and directed this. So again, like just early going into it, I appreciate the fact that this is obviously clearly a baby of his. He loves this movie. Um, and so hats off to him for getting that made and accomplished for a yeah. low
0: budget indie film. And and uh, it is a low budget film too. And I will say yes. it doesn't ever look low budget, although it f- sometimes feels low budget as far as like pacing and like scenes yeah. go and stuff, but it never looks low budget.
2: No, there I think we'll break down why there, there are moments where you're like, yeah, that's probably uh, an aspect of them having a zero budget to work with but yeah it, it looks very it's really beautifully shot and uh and looks really it looks good yeah. um then the cast so Catherine mary stewart plays reggie and that, that same year she was in last starfighter which is funny because it's like both movies feature a video game playing scene <laughs> um, yeah you, one of her first movies she ever did was called the apple came out in 1980 it's considered one of the uh kind of cultish Xanadu ask bonkers like Get Stoned and and, and Wonder kind of movies. Okay. Uh and then she was in Weekend at Bernie's. That was her <laughs> other big movie. And Weekend at Bernie's <laughs>
0: I love that movie, man. I'm a, me- I'm a Wicked yeah, and Bernie's fan, bro. I
2: mean, the, the whole plot is about these two dudes carrying a dead guy around the entire movie. It, it It's hilarious. Yeah, and she's great in it. She's like the, the lead actors, actress and, in
0: it. And seeing her in this, man, like I, me personally, I know her from Last Starfighter. I watched that yeah, movie ditto. a ton as a kid. Uh, I will say that the CGI nowadays does not hold up on that movie. Uh, that is one of the movies that I wish they would just... Redo the CGI. Keep the entire movie exactly the same and just put a new layer of CGI over it. And that's it. But um, watching this now as as adult Corey, I remember my crush uh, on on Catherine Mary Stewart. I was like, oh, she's she's got just that that wholesome 80s brunette vibe to her in in this movie, especially.
2: And to quote a guy uh, that I met at a kiss convention in 1994 uh, talking about Paul Stanley's hair. Uh she's got a great head of hair. She does. Like the, she's got a great head of hair. So uh yeah, she plays Reggie. Reg and uh and I love the name Reg. Yeah. Anyways, uh, actually, Moro- and
0: r- real quick, I just want to say, I her, uh, Regina Belmont, both Regina, the, the sisters yeah. Belmont. Um, I, I like their I like the name Belmont. It's uh, uh, Simon I- Belmont from Castlevania. I was I was just gonna hey nice <laughs> yes of
2: course, uh, <laughs> oh Roy, uh, but yeah I think she goes goes by Reg through most of the yeah, movie yeah but uh, but then Kelly Maroney is plays her sister Sam or Samantha Samantha Belmont no relation to Simon, mm-hmm. uh, and then you and many people will probably remember her from. She played a cheerleader in Fast Times Ridge Ridgemont mm-hmm. High. There's a great scene where she like screams off key at a pep rally, and someone throws a paper airplane in front of her face, and she's like, "You know, it's really hard getting up here and doing this." <laughs> um, and she was also in Chopping Mall. Mm-hmm. Yes, I mean she she she's she's got a resume of uh, a lot of horror films, and she and both actors are. Unbelievable, unbelievably sweet and, and genuine and, and kind. Uh, like I said, I had a chance to interview them and meet them and just really good people. And they they personally love this movie. They love the fandom around it. But who wouldn't if someone's like, oh, my God, I love that movie you're in. Of course, you're going to get happy about that.
0: I mean, like, to, to be truthful, the Belmont sisters are sort of the best part of the movie. Like any faults that I have are, yeah. with the movie honestly nothing is really with them like i love their characters and i love the two actresses that play i think they did a great and i think that's really what helps this movie sort of get elevated is yes. the, the quality there's these little moments that just these little pieces that really just shine and 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 both kelly maroney and Catherine mary stewart are are two of those moments are two of those like like pieces of this puzzle that really shine in this movie
2: Totally agree. Totally agree. They are they are fantastic, and uh, yeah, that that's what makes this movie what it is. Uh, just to round out the rest of the cast, Robert Beltran plays Hector, and Hector Gomez. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, most sci-fi horror people would know him from Star Trek Voyager.
0: Yeah, he uh, plays Chakotay. Yeah, I I knew him right away. I was like. Holy fuck. Chakotay. That's Chakotay. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, Chakotay. Oh
2: you know, you, you had that reaction when you saw him. When I saw him, I said, holy shit, it's K.O. from Lone Wolf McQuaid, <laughs> one of my favorite uh, Chuck Norris movies of all time. So, yeah, and and he's I mean, he's a great actor. He his he's got a huge resume as well. Um, and then there's Sharon Farrell, who's like the mom. She plays the mom of the sisters. Um, she, she's been in. She was actually also in Lone Wolf McQuaid as well, which is a fun fact that they were in the same movie together. I think she played the ex-wife of, uh, JJ J. McQuaid in that, believe it or mm. not, which is pretty mm. awesome. And, and she was in Can't Buy Me Love, which is one of my favorite Patrick Dempsey movies and RIP to the actress in that movie because I think she committed suicide Ooh. a couple of years ago, which sucks.
0: And in fact, she did. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And and the the later in the movie the blonde boy is her son in real life. Blonde boy,
2: yeah, blonde boy, D M K. No, no, and then no, there's... not
0: no, not not D M K. The the little kid.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, the little kid that in what? the in the hospi- in the yeah yeah the re- yeah that's, the survivor survivor.
0: Yes, the one that survived. Uh, he's uh that's yes. her son in real life. Yeah, not D M K. No, not D M K. And then you've got
2: then you've got two uh very awesome genre of veterans yeah that we'll round out with mary warnov who we affectionately know and love from terror vision of course mm-hmm. but she's been in you know i'm not going to go down her resume because we did it in terror vision so if you want to know her resume go listen to our terror vision episode it's mm-hmm. really good it's really yes good. uh and then the last actor in the film is actually i love this guy his daughter Is Juliette Lewis? Uh, No,
0: I didn't know that. Yes,
2: now you do. Holy shit! That's why you co-host and listen to this podcast.
0: It's that's no, that is true. And I'm like literally losing my mind right now. Um, he and Jeffrey Lewis passed away in 2015. Unfortunately, um, me personally, I always knew him from Devil's Rejects and The Way of the Gun, which I think is a very underrated uh, movie.
2: It's a very underrated movie. Yeah, those were two of his later ones. Um, yeah, Jeffrey Lewis. I I loved him in Double Impact, the Van Damme movie. Uh, you know, double the fun, mm-hmm. double the JCVD. He, he he was
0: there. He was the uncle in that, wasn't he? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Right. He had a big role in that yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I think old school fans will know him from Every Which Way But Loose with mm-hmm. Clint Eastwood <laughs>
0: and, uh, and an orangutan. Yes, and he's <laughs>
2: fucking great. Like he's a gr- he's a great great genre actor yes uh and from what i heard really sweet dude and it's uh, really sucks that he's dead because uh you know selfishly would love to have interviewed him at some point uh because his career is so iconic but yeah that's the cast of the movie um and like i said tom emberhart wrote and directed it uh and it's a look shoestring budget yes
0: um, well, well, real, real quick. You're not going to mention uh, Michael Bowen, who played oh, Larry Dupree, and he was also in uh, Kill Bill as Buck,
2: who likes to uh, <laughs> something exactly. Uh, yeah, and and well, yeah. Michael Bowen also m- most recently was in Breaking Bad. Yeah, um, he was he was. But I remember him from a couple films that I absolutely absolutely love. One is Iron Eagle.
0: Mm. Oh, I remember those movies. I used to like the Iron Eagle films back then he, too.
2: He was the dude that uh, you know that almost caused Doug Masters to crash his plane. He was the guy who raced Doug Masters in his in his BMX bike in the beginning of the movie. Oh yeah, uh, and, and 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 then he's in this great uh, drama called uh, Amazing Grace and Chuck, and it's a it's an early '80s movie about a kid. It feels like it's based on a true story, but it's not little kid finds out that his miss- there's a missile silo in his hometown with nuclear weapons and he's like the star of his baseball team he decides to stop playing baseball and not talking mm. uh, until they get rid of the nuclear weapons and be- and jamie lee curtis is in it uh william peterson is in it and gregory peck
0: mm. oh, okay solid so, solid yeah, there we go Yeah, dude
2: that that movie amazing grace and chuck if you want like a like a sort of family film um it's, it, it it's really, it's just, yeah, it's, I love it. I love it.
0: <laughs> and I'm sorry. And I cut you off a little bit. So you wanted to mention the budget real quick.
2: Yeah. The, the, the budget, the budget is, uh, was, I mean, $700,000 is the estimated budget of this movie. That's a, that's n- by film standards. That's nothing. That's Man.
0: insanely like that is literally next to nothing. That is like uh, barely even a commercial budget. So
2: th- that being said, when it, it opening weekend it made three point five mil, and so <laughs> that's I, considered why you know in 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 a in a, in a in a day and age when everything got sequelized, why they didn't do a sequel and they easily could have. Um,
0: it's beyond me. I, I mean, so. I mean, this is the first time I'm hearing the budget, you know, at all. So let's just say, round it up, it's it's a $1 million movie, right? Just a million dollars, yeah. right? Um, okay. If I knew that prior to watching it, that probably would have elevated the film a little bit. Just knowing that they even made a movie uh, in downtown Los Angeles and showing, like, no one around, like, how impressive that stuff was and we will talk about it when we get to it in in the you know in that part of the movie um that is impressive to me that they made this entire film for less than a million dollars and even i mean even in 1984 money that i mean it's still like not enough money to make a movie like this basically
2: no no I, i you're talking like robert rodriguez scale yeah come on he didn't yeah. make that move your seven grand and
0: you, you didn't he didn't he's never tried to do a freaking end of the world movie with like no one around like how hard it was to actually film this just yeah, makes dude. me It just like i'm like blown away that they could even pull it off so you know what guys you hear it right now it's already going up a smidge in my book because <laughs> that's impressive as fuck in my opinion
2: yeah it's 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 really definitely uh tip of the hat and there was talk that uh they're they're going to remake this movie at some point uh that is still within the works Uh, i don't know you know talking to both actors they haven't they don't have any kind of knowledge about it other than what they, what everyone else has read online. Right. So
0: and and I didn't, I didn't know about that. I'd never heard about that, but I was literally thinking about that in the shower today. I was like, you know, like why did they always remake movies that we all like? You should remake a movie that was like a, a cool concept, but the execution just wasn't quite there. And personally, I think this movie is a perfect uh, like place to do a remake because I do truly think there were a lot of cool, cool concepts in this movie, a lot of cool yeah. ideas that, well, you know, knowing the budget of it, just didn't quite reach the, the maximum impact that they could have reached. And I do think that maybe this movie would be perfect as a remake.
2: Yeah, I dare I say it could go the Dawn of the Dead route mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and be even better than the original mm-hmm. Dawn of the Dead.
0: Yep, I'm with you on that. We're, we, <laughs> I mean, that's official. We both kind of, I mean, we both loved Dawn of the Dead, but we the original, but we both love the remake.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, Zach, it's Zack Snyder's best movie, in my opinion. Truth,
0: so. truth. Hashtag truth right there. <laughs> um, all right, man, uh, should we dive in? Oh, yeah, and
2: you know what? I do want to mention one thing really quick, uh, just really quickly about the producer of this movie, uh, just because it's a personal, like, thing that i love uh his name is wayne one of the producers is wayne crawford and those that don't know who wayne crawford is he was the star of one of my favorite 80s action movies called jake speed and um and he's also in the movie valley girl uh so yeah i just want to point that out that that's kind of a pretty big fucking deal if you've had never seen jake speed highly recommend that but
0: yeah I know you like that movie. I've seen you uh, <laughs> talk, I talk about, about it all the time. Yeah, I exactly. post shit about it all the time. I, you sure do, buddy. So one day I'm going to have to watch it. <laughs>
2: yeah, you got to.
1: You got. It.
0: Uh, all right, man. So on that note, you want to jump into the movie? Let me read the IMDb synopsis. Night of the Comet, 1984, PG-13, 1 hour and 35 minutes. A comet wipes out most of life on Earth leaving two valley girls fighting against cannibal zombies and a sinister group of scientists. Well, that pretty much sums it up. <laughs> and that's, that's the movie, guys. We're going home.
2: <laughs> so, Good night. We'll catch
0: you on the dark side. Yeah,
2: dude. Like you, you, throw, you throw that out to someone and they go, okay, sign me up.
0: I mean, yes, on paper. Everything about this movie on paper would be a Corey uh, love fest. Yes, um, but you know what's funny? So far, I'm actually enjoying it a little bit more. Having just ta- talking about it with you for thirty minutes so far, it's already becoming a little bit more enjoyable, in in my opinion.
1: Did you ever wonder what it would be like to be one of the last people on Earth? We're talking Ghost Town. Who you see? There's nobody. I mean, there's
0: nobody. Ah!
1: What would you do? Hey, I'm sorry.
0: The end of the world makes me a little nervous.
1: Ah! Where would you go? The stars are up we <laughs> Well, get ready to find out, because the comet is coming into your orbit. The legal drinking age is now 10, but... And you will need ID, let's be real. It's the Night of the Comet. What do you give me if I come back? Texas? Night of the Comet. I'll be taking requests from all you teenage comet zombies. The night the teenagers ruled the world. Yeah. Night of the Comet. The burden of civilization is on us. Fiction, isn't it?
0: So the movie starts with the with the you know stars and everything and a comet sort of flying through space and there's a bit of a voiceover and it says. uh, Since before recorded time, it had swung through the universe in an elliptical orbit so large that its very existence remained a secret of time and space. But now, in the last few years of the 20th century, the visitor was returning. Night of the Comet! And a little little bit more voiceovers.
2: And there's a really cool synth track that's playing underneath it, too, uh, which I was like, Will that be the music for the whole movie? It's not, unfortunately. It's, it's
0: unfortunately it's not, but there is some decent music in this film. This, yes. the, 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 I will say that um, the the voiceover keeps going. The citizens of Earth would get an extra Christmas present this year as their planet orbited through the tail of the comet. Scientists predicted a light show of stellar proportions, something not seen on Earth for 65 million years. Indeed, not since the time that the dinosaurs disappeared virtually overnight. And then now they show a picture of some scientists sort of locking themselves away in, in a bunker. And it says uh, there were a few who saw this as more than just a coincidence, but most didn't. And that was sort of the uh, the beginning. Hey, can I uh, mention something real quick about the whole dinosaur thing? I appreciate what they're trying to do, yes. but this movie po- like postulates that what the, the 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 comet does is turn you into dust. So then, if this if it did this to the the dinosaurs, we wouldn't have any fossils, right? Like, well, mm-hmm. I guess we would have them in different eras or something okay all right we'll turn
2: some into dinosaurs or some into dust and some into zombies
0: yeah so like some of the dinosaurs would be zombies i guess too yes
2: which is kind of cool maybe it maybe it's changed a little bit over time that was it was a really long uh intro too by the way i'm just like and that was this is probably my biggest fault with this movie is like okay i get it like this is a really long setup right now.
0: <laughs> and I feel weird. like the the director was aware of how clever he he sort of felt he was to come up with that. You know, like this is what wiped out the yeah. dinosaurs 65 million years ago. And yeah. I almost got like sort of sucked into the cleverness of it. And then I was like, but wait a minute. Then they all just got turned into dust. So how does that really work? <laughs>
2: <laughs> that explains the red dust in New Mexico and Arizona. There you
0: go. There you go. Good job, buddy. Way to look at the bright side of things. I'm trying. <laughs> so, so the movie uh, kind of starts with people celebrating. Uh, it looks like New York, um, sort of Times square, uh, yeah. like a new year's Eve celebration. You can tell that they probably just got stock footage of a new year's Eve celebration in 1983 or something. Um, but then in LA, they're all sort of partying around the, the L which is uh, an actual famous movie theater, which is the outside, uh, they use it for the outside shots of the theater that she's working at. Now a um,
2: concert, it's a concert venue now.
0: Yep, yep. Uh, I've never been there, have you? Oh yeah, it's great. It's okay. great.
2: It's great old school theater in LA. Yeah. I've seen many a band there.
0: So that's the movie theater that our main character, Reggie slash Regina slash Reg, uh, works at. And uh, we see her basically playing... Tempest, the old arcade game, which was a great arcade game back in the day. Tempest, oh dude, do, Tempest, do you ever is play great. that one?
2: Yeah, it's badass. And then the the logo on the side of the arcade, it's like this creepy looking alien that's like mm-hmm. coming at you.
0: Loved it, yeah, dude. I always remember that uh, the arcade cabinet. I always thought that was super fucking cool.
2: Yeah, and I actually asked uh, Catherine Mary Stewart about that, and she said that she was not a gamer, and uh, and 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 she apparently she gets that all the time. People are like, "Oh, are you a gamer?" And she's not. So. <laughs> she's like nerd. I'm not.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A <laughs> but <she's>, question uh, <laughs> to ask. <laughs> but she's uh. You know, so she's playing the game. She's getting her like her her initials on all the the slots basically. And uh, while she's playing the game, her manager's kind of trying to sell a pair of tchotchkes to to some unsuspecting person. Basically, everyone is celebrating the comet. He's got these these like things that you put on your head and they're got the what are they what the hell are they
2: they're like alien uh, antennas yeah Yeah. antenna balls antenna balls
0: you never see that shit anymore but back in the 80s that was pretty prevalent kind of the only thing you really see in the same vein nowadays are the mickey mouse ears that you get yes. at Disneyland, you know, um, but it's a funny little scene of him trying to sell these pieces of shit, uh, you know, just pieces of shit trinkets for like ten bucks, and then knowing that this is nineteen eighty four, that's probably closer to like eighteen dollars, which is yeah. nowadays, which is like fuck twenty dollars for that piece of crap. And uh, I will <laughs>
2: say that that's one of my. This is one of my favorite scenes in the movie, uh, and just because, it, like, she's so engrossed in this video game, mm-hmm. and uh, apparently, like, the director directed her completely through this entire scene, like down to her foot movements.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, He must have been a gamer then. Yes, yes, okay, and it, you know what honestly, out of the entire movie, this opening scene felt the most um like natural, like the dialogue yes. felt natural because it was the whole like the the manager going back and forth and then you know cutting sort of to, to uh, Reggie sort of playing the game. It just it felt very natural, and I like yeah. that it was, it was a strong start. I, I will not deny that. Um, she does notice that we see that like, basically she has every slot spil- filled on the leaderboard. Of tempest except for the sixth slot and that is dmk and she's like dmk who's that <laughs> and i'm like okay like like relax all right like someone played the game and got it on the sixth spot like, yeah. I, I was like all right but i get it. it's fine and, and it'll come back i mean it's the thing that comes back at the very fucking end of the movie so you know it's it's a, it's a little bit of a, of a bookend and this being the beginning of the bookend the manager you know, basically tells her to get the hell off of there, get to work. She's like, I cleaned everything. And he's like, No, just, you know, go make the rounds. And I like how she's like, I hate making the rounds. They throw candy at me. Have you ever been hit by a dot before?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Milk dud. <laughs> yeah. Milk
0: dud, you know? Yeah, that's great. And and, and and I love how uh and then basically so she, you know, she does it, she leaves, and he makes a comment and he goes, Don't go and hang out in the in the projection projection room with Dupree. And then she kind of walks away and he mumbles like something like Dupree does to her what he does to me, which is basically like fucks her over. Essentially, yeah, I was it's like, totally it's screws a, me." Yeah, but it screws me basically. Yeah, and I was like, "So she's a little bit of like I." And they sort of allude to it with Dupree. She's kind of like a little. I don't ever want to say slutty because I feel like that's kind of shaming someone who's just you know being human and, and having a good time, right? Like, but she was a little bit of a promiscuous, right? Yeah, uh, or yeah, at least that her was even, her, that's her reputation.
2: Yeah, she even alludes to like, you know, getting paid for her <laughs> She gets paid for loving. Mm, not really. Yeah. She doesn't get paid for, it, but she alludes to that where she's like, You're gonna give me fifteen bucks or something like
0: that. Yeah, yeah, all Dupree. Oh yeah. Dupree. So Um So they go so next scene, she's like uh, in in the projection room and we see Duprees on the phone. Um and he's basically he's the projectionist. And he's talking to somebody about basically brokering a deal to under the table rent out to another, another movie theater uh, reels that are in their theater. Now you kind of have to have a background in, in movie theaters to know like what he's sort of doing. But the thing is like movie theaters, not every theater gets every single movie. So, nope. you know, he was basically going to give another theater another, like, basically a reel that they had, and they were going to pay him under the table for that, and uh, which, you know, I guess would be illegal, yada, 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 but just not good business practice. But I love the fact how he's like, he's like, $100, you know, you're going to have to do better than that. And then he's like, 110 now you're talking my style. And I'm like, that was just $10, Dupree. Hold out for, like, at least go for, like, $50 or something.
2: Yeah, I mean come on. I mean like
0: yeah.
2: You got to but boost it up a little bit. Let's make it a little more, you know. I guess it's the the show that he's kind of a doofus, right?
0: Yeah. I guess so. I mean it's it's a little bit of character development. He's not going to last very long anyway. So, no, right? no. Who, who gives, no. so who gives a shit at the end of the day? <laughs> um, but like uh, Reggie comes in there and she's like, you know, she's going to hang out with them, kind of spend the night with them. And he's like, OK, you let me back in the back door. I'll let you back in, you know, yada, yada, yada. At the end of the day, she's going to get $15 for it, which she kind of alludes to the fact that people are going to think you're paying me to spend the night with you. And he was starts out sweet. He's like, I'm, you know, like, and then, you know, no, that's not the case. And then he's like, but if I did, you'd be worth more than $15. And I was like, dude, pre, yeah, you were like, you were sort of a gentleman at first. And then you kind of just like threw that little wrench in there. And I was like, oh, you're such an asshole. But I mean, she still sleeps with him. So uh,
2: <laughs> yeah, she still sleeps with him. And he's kind and he's, and you know, wh- wh- what does he say? He's like, what do you say? I'll give you 15 bucks. And she's like, are you kidding me? And we spend the night in here, we end up making it, and he give me 15 bucks? Do you know what that makes me look like? And and he goes, Reggie, I'm not giving you 15 for making it with me. Okay, well, just so we have that straight, okay? Yeah, sure. I mean, you'd be worth a lot more than 15 bucks. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> knows that.
0: <laughs> oh, a Little re- whore. Dude, Dupree, what a what an asshole. <laughs> I mean, that
2: guy, he was also in Valley Girl, too. I forgot about that. And he played a, a, a douche in Valley Girl, too. So he's, of course. he's known for being... He, he he plays a douche really well. I mean, he played a douche in Kill Bill. It's like that's his mo, right? That's
0: that is his mo is to play Iron a Eagle douche. Played a douche.
2: <laughs> plays a white supremacist douche in Breaking Bad. So then yada oh, yada yada. Of course, yada.
0: of course. Um, We cut to the Belmont residence, and uh, Samantha is kind of like watching TV, and there's a bit of a party going on around her, and uh, but. The, the, on the news, so she's watching the news, and the newscaster is talking about how uh, New Finland or Newfoundland will be yeah, the first to, to experience the comet, and he's like, "But weirdly, all communications are out with that part of the world." And I like that. I like that little bit of a subtle, subtle build up right there. Yeah. I wish this movie had more of that. I love. One of the things I love, um, like, movies like Independence Day do great, which is, like, that whole first act buildup. I love those buildups to a cataclysmic event. This movie does it well, but it just does it within, like, the first 10 minutes, and then it's, you know, it's it's already getting into it. But I like this. and But then I also found that the, uh, the news anchor guy or, or the reporter guy he was weird. They made some weird choices with him. He did you notice that he's like he's like sort of in the crowd. He looks a little shocked the whole yes. entire time. What yeah. was and, up
2: with that? And then, you know, saying Newfoundland or Newfoundland like okay. You might get that straight before you uh, before you film that scene, you know, <laughs>
0: and, well, and, and the question is, like, was all of that was this supposed to be a joke? You know, like, what was th- it supposed Probably. to be making fun of the the news anchors or something? Yeah, I just I didn't quite get it
2: because everything I've read uh, up until watching it again was this was a lot of uh, homage and parody of films prior. OK, so there there this was very tongue in cheek. It clearly is tongue in cheek. And I don't have a problem with that. I thought that was all good. I feel like the first 20, 30 minutes of this movie are are really entertaining. And, and it's just very like the engaging. last hour. Yeah. And then the last hour where just so many of the scenes fall flat or they go on way too long. And, you know, and, and clearly they that's because they had to keep shooting. Like they could only shoot once to do one take or, yeah. you know, they, they they had to fill this movie, maybe boost up the amount of time. But again, I keep going back to the full moon theory like make it a 75 minute movie if it's you know there's nothing wrong with that
0: i mean that's what that's what we say but i think i mean i don't know like what they're what the mandates are behind the scenes they may say like it needs to be an hour and a half to 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 be on the theater you know but yeah it's and yes the a lot of the a lot of the faults with this movie seem to come from the budget um but uh, but yeah, you're right. I do like the buildup. I do like the beginning of this film. I like I think it's engaging. And, and so far, I think it's fun. And I like yeah. I like the you know, even right now, the whole Newfoundland new f- slash Newfoundland. Yeah I, like, it, yeah. I was like, OK, that was me. I guess it made it made what could have been a just a boring piece of dialogue, made it a little bit more interesting. And if at the end of the day, that's all it was. Sure. I'll take it. Yep. You know, I'll take that. And I but I also but I very much like the fact that they were he was talking about how, you know, the communications with that part of the world have, have been disrupted. I was like, oh, that's cool. We know what that means. Something yeah. bad's happening.
2: And I love I love kind of end of the world uh, apocalyptic films. Uh, there was a movie that came out in the 80s called um, Miracle Mile. Oh, with yeah. Anthony Edwards. Mm-hmm. It's very dark. Uh, well, dark ending, but it's kind of like a, a quirky comedy. And I would I would put that in the same vein as Night of the Comet, okay. uh, you know, with this impending doom and yeah. gloom. But uh, and, and I think it's actually done really well. It's a smart script. But, you yeah. Just just a little reference I'd throw out there.
0: No, and you're the reason that I Miracle Mile is on my uh, infinite to do list um, ever since you mentioned it way before we even started doing this podcast. Oh, cool. uh, the, the idea behind it sounds very interesting to me. So I'll watch it one day. I don't know if we'll ever do it on the, the show. No one really ever mentions it. But uh, no, I personally want so to doing. see it.
2: Yeah, it's, it's worth watching for sure. It's just oh. not it's not it's not a pad show pad, pad movie.
0: Gotcha. OK, cool. Um then moving on then then off to the hell it goes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um all right so Uh, all right. So Regina basically calls from the theater. Uh, Samantha picks up the phone. Uh, she says she just got in a big fight with her stepmom Doris. And, uh, and, 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 and we also sort of see there's like some pictures on, on the table that we see that the dad has like a military picture. So we kind of get an idea right there that the dad is military, but they'll, they also tell us that, uh, as well.
2: That's smart too, by the way, that's a smart, um, reference because it 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 explains a lot of shit later that you know they don't have to go into
0: yep because exactly you
2: you know their dad's a badass and he taught him well and that's all you need to know
0: exactly and and he also would have bought them Uzis, not pieces of shit Mac tens. But uh, anyways, <laughs> <laughs> um, Regina tells Samantha to tell Doris that she'll be out all night watching the co- uh, the comet with her science class. Um, but of course, like Doris kind of doesn't buy that, and she's like, "You need to be home, you know, one hour after or like f- five minutes after your shift ends, type of thing." And uh, but you know, Regina's like, "I'm eighteen years old. You don't have to tell me what to do." <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, Doris is like. like... Like, look, if your dad comes home and, uh, you know, and basically I'll get shit and then I'm going to give you shit because basically shit rolls downhill, you know?
2: Yeah. And their mom's a bitch and she that's that's
0: their stepmom. Yeah, she's she's a bitch.
2: And and she's she's uh, she's she's eyeing other dudes at the at the party and like practically making out with a guy at one point
0: right while well, the know. dad is kind of like in honduras fighting yeah. a war um the dad is yeah. uh like actively military um and then kind of going off actually like doing things so that i was like okay that's kind of cool I, I dig all that kind of stuff <laughs> and then what i dig even more is coming up so uh <laughs> <Me too. laughs> I, know, I know what you're gonna say oh man so so Doris hangs up and asks if Samantha is going to join the party. Uh, Sam implies that Doris is like fooling around with Chuck across the street. Doris says something like, Chuck is, you know, nice to have around. And then Samantha basically throws in there, You were born with an asshole, Doris. You don't need Chuck. And fucking Doris smacks Samantha. Samantha smacks Doris back. And then Doris cold cocks Samantha. (laughs) (laughs) She cold cocks. I I loved it. It was. That was fan-fucking-tastic. I thought that was hilarious.
2: Yeah, dude. Ditto. Like, that was one one of second favorite scene in the movie yeah
0: Yeah. (laughs) seriously dude seriously but then like then like when when samantha sort of lands by the tv we see get another like sort of scene with the tv anchor man who's like looking scared and then all these people are sort of around him looking all excited and he's like he makes a comment like everyone seems pretty excited but he like looks worried (laughs) and i was like that was it was such a weird weird thing but um We kind of, like, follow—we go outside and kind of follow uh, uh, Doris. You know, she kind of meets up with Chuck, um, and then uh, everyone's outside in the street, and then lightning starts happening, and everyone's like, huh? And uh, we cut back to Dupree and Regina, and they're fooling around the projection room, and Regina mentions that she's scared. Like, people will see her because she knows that, you know, people are in the theater down below— and this basically, all it does is open up a piece of dialogue that uh, Dupree says, oh, you'd have to be, or something like Superman couldn't even see through because it's solid steel. And yeah. then, then Regina says, oh, but Superman can't see through lead. So, you know, I was like, okay, at least they got that right. I, you know, that's cool. But it, all it did was tell you and inform the viewer that the box that they're in, the room that they're in, is lead, is lined with steel. And that's that's an important plot point. It is
2: but that scene goes on way too long where i'm just like okay guys yeah i get it
0: i'm i up yeah i'm i'm with you buddy um cuz then we cut back back to the party the belmont party and the the sky is going crazy and then so my wife watched this movie with me the first time not not the second time when i was breaking it down and everything and she noticed that like doris does like this weird facial expression and then it just does this like weird musical fade out. And yeah. But the thing is like Doris's facial expression wasn't like horror or anything. It was just kind of like, oh, oh, ah, ooh, And she was like, oh, I'm being hurt. Like it was like, you, did you notice that? Like, yeah, it's really it's an
2: odd scene because it, it feels a little disjointed.
0: Yeah, like you don't you get a sense that obviously her and the other people are kind of in peril. But yeah. you don't get the sense that if they're in pain or not, it's just it was a really weird take to end it on with Doris and to thus have sort of her last screen time in, in the movie, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah, It was an, it's an odd scene. It didn't, I don't know. For mm-hmm. me, I was just like, it didn't really, it didn't do anything for me.
0: Well, here's the thing. Uh, I, it worked better if you didn't cut back to To that yes. shot of Doris, like yeah. it should have stayed, because everyone before it went to the shot of Dupree and and Reggie, it, it that was effective enough. Like because yes. everyone looked scared and the lightning was all crazy. This I felt like when they cut back to with Doris, it diffused the fear that it just previously had. Like you know, ninety seconds prior. Yeah, agreed. Okay, cool. We're on the same page with that one then. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> uh, next morning, we got some really cool shots of, of L.A. Uh, empty, except uh, kind of clothes are everywhere, and like this red dust, which was uh, brick dust. They used uh, just like standard sort of brick dust as the red dust, and uh, the sky has this orange hue to it, Um really cool beautiful shots of la and uh you know this is 1984 so it's probably filmed in 1983 and the way that they pulled these shots off is guys pretty much up until the 2000s no one lived in downtown la so yeah aside from homeless people so um whenever you could shoot like in like 7 a.m. on a Sunday. And that's and literally that's what they did for movies like Omega Man with Charlton Heston. That that beautiful helicopter shot at the beginning of him driving through downtown Los Angeles or Skid Row like completely empty. Um, That's just because they filmed at like 6 a.m. on a Sunday and just freaking no one is there in L.A. And that's just an amazing shot. This movie gave me Omega Man vibes, you know, this whole downtown stuff. But it's really cool looking to be truthful with you.
2: Yeah, I mean, you could even go a, a slightly modern step further and talk about They Live. They Live did a lot of shots, it, a lot of scenes in downtown L.A. where it, it seemed pretty desolate and empty. And you're right. There was nothing going on in downtown L.A. during that time. Yeah. It was empty. And uh, and <laughs> some might think that it should still be empty based on the amount of prices they charge for rent. But Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but, and, and during the during the coronavirus because everything you know being shut down it's pretty empty right now too <laughs> but uh yeah it's beautiful dude like i love sunrise like sunrise and sunset shots uh and in in, in cityscapes and the very well shot mm-hmm. looks really sexy uh the, the music is like a little and it's a little cheesy at this point where i'm just like oh If you just had us, this is a perfect example of music being very important, making and breaking a a movie. Like if if the soundtrack's not good, then it can really take away from yeah your overall
0: experience. Now now, what did you did you think this music was not fitting for the scene, or did you like it?
2: I didn't really like it. Like I like the opening synth track, and then there's like it's okay. Like to me, I, I just felt like. Less is more, mm, yeah. Uh, and, and and there's definitely scenes where there's it just feels very generic sounding, and I'm just like, oh, it feels very canned. I get it, minimal budget,
0: yeah. yeah. But I
2: think it soundtracks because I'm I'm a t- huge soundtrack geek. Like yeah. I think that that's a, a very important key
0: component to the movie. I I will say this. Um, I was never offended by the music in the movie. Um, and I'm not as musically inclined as you are uh, just so everyone really knows i'm I grew up as a as a visual artist and that's not to say Zach does not have any visual artist skills because he does uh, he's actually a very good artist but he's a better musician and I have zero musical talent so i <laughs> i kind of like you I don't hear any of the things that Zach hears um, but so all I can really say is I was never it never took me out of it right the the music in this never took me out of it but I'm not as critical of of music and movies as you are
2: yeah fair enough yeah I well I appreciate that too
0: (laughs) yeah of course (laughs) so we're back in the projection room Regina is sleeping on the floor in the sleeping bag and is kind of like standing in the corner he's like pissed off because his buddy from the other theater hasn't brought the movie back and uh he's, he's like all right I'm gonna go to the other theater and get and basically get it back because we're both gonna be in big trouble if you know, it doesn't come back. Essentially, you're probably going to get fired. So, <laughs> yeah. so she's like, okay. So Dupree goes down to the back door, and as he's kind of like, you know, going to open the door, you see, you hear some growling outside the door, and you're like, oh, I wonder what that is, you know. And right when Dupree opens the door, a freaking zombie is standing there and just clocks him on the head with the, with a wrench, yeah. and Dupree falls into the ground and like, he's twitching there on the ground as he gets hit again. And knowing that this movie's PG thirteen, I found Dupree's body to twitching to yeah. be very disturbing for a PG thirteen film.
2: Yeah, me too. Uh, first of all, the the effects are great. And, the zombie looks great. Yeah, it looks great. And yeah, he he, you see him, sta- you know, you see his his body laying there, which could have been edited for for PG thirteen. So i was surprised again that this movie is PG 13 because it actually, like, the level of, oh, well, there's no swearing, there's no nudity. So, you know, but, but, uh, I, yeah, no, but, but the, but the fear and the gore, like, is, is, is palpable, you know?
0: And you know, I truthfully didn't know that this was PG thirteen until I just read it at the beginning when I was doing the the intro thing yeah. from IMDb. I always thought that this was a rated R film in my head um, because the I think the scary parts are pretty scary. Um, the twitching right here it was pretty disturbing, and because you can pretty much see uh, Sam's areola uh, in the bathroom when she when she changes, you know, in that dream sequence. And, and that that's is true. Pretty ri- that's pretty risque for a PG thirteen movie. Granted, not compared to Doc Hollywood, which has a full-on frontal nude scene for, like, five minutes. And that's a PG-13 movie. So, man, the 80s, man, were a fucking wild-ass time. Well, <laughs> dude,
2: I look, I, I just spent an entire uh, night talking about nude scenes in movies. And I, and I was, like, thinking about Just One of the Guys, PG-13. The Wraith, that's, PG-13. That's
0: crazy that Just One of the Guys is PG-13. Yeah,
2: and you would never know.
0: Cause that boot, that nude scene is crazy at the end when she yeah, reveals dude. her breasts. I love that scene. Best part of the movie. <laughs> I mean, that's
2: <laughs> it's not my favorite part of the movie, uh, but it's a great part of the movie. It, like, but eighty four. This is like rate. I thought the 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 ratings changed in eighty five uh, with uh, young Sherlock Holmes, but uh, this is eighty four PG thirteen. This is what must have been must have been the time when. Movies were making that shift.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um. So let's see. So all right. So now Dupree's dead. Um. Now we like Reggie's kind of. She's back playing Tempest again. And yeah. I I will <laughs> I will say this. Um. My experience with arcade games is you don't replace the sixth spot. You basically just knock them down you know, further. So, so so that was, I was like, oh, that's a little inconsistent. Now, granted, maybe that's a Tempest thing. I I don't know, but I was like, oh, you wouldn't be replacing his high score. You would just be knocking him down now to number seven. And she would have to keep basically knocking him off the top 10, you know, leaderboard. But okay, fine. This is an easy way to do it. And I was, but I harped on it because I was, I'm a video, I'm a gamer. So I'm like, come on, that doesn't make sense.
2: Yeah. We're going to have to get our, our, uh, in my opinion, old school gaming expert, scott zillner to talk about that
0: yeah hey scott if you're listening does does uh does tempest make you overwrite the person or does it just get pushed down (laughs) yeah that seems kind of weird yeah so
2: he probably uh, has tempest too so you know
0: and I'm basing this off of uh, the Star Wars arcade machine that I have here that I've been chipping away at the the top ten. Uh, <laughs> it's all MCS it. MCS all the way down the down the road. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, Reggie goes outside um, to kind of examine, you know, what, what's going on. So she goes out outside the front door, but she kind of leaves, tries to prop it open. Uh, It doesn't work. It closes on her. And so she has to run around to the alley, the side alley. Of course, during this time, she sees the clothes on the ground. She picks up someone's underwear, which my wife noted. She was like, of everything to pick up, why did she pick up that person's underwear? I was like, yeah. an interesting choice. Good point. So she's in the back alley. She sees the wrench on the ground, bloody, and she's like, ew, picks it up gross. And then she sees uh, Dupree's keys, and she looks down the alley, and she sees his bike still there. And she's like, okay. So she goes walking towards the bike, and then out of some some boxes comes that zombie guy. Rawr! He's like, come here! You know? And she's like, yeah. what? You know? And – She's got the keys in her right hand. And even my wife noted this one, too. She she So when the zombie goes to attack her, she throws the keys behind her to kind of... And she was like, why did she throw the keys like that? The only thing I could think of was that as as someone who's maybe... Not me, but maybe her being trained in some sort of hand-to-hand combat by her dad, you, you wouldn't want to keep the keys in your hand. You would want to have full control over your your hands, right, I guess?
2: I guess, but I mean, I would think you'd want to use them... Between your knuckles, like a stabbing.
0: That's what I thought too. That's what I figured. Yeah.
2: Yeah. The knee to so. the groin. Knee to right. the groin.
0: Scratch. <laughs> that's
2: what they teach in self defense classes of for course. women, according <laughs> to Pablo Francisco. I'm just saying. <laughs> knee to <laughs> the groin.
1: Scratch. Scratch. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, yeah,
2: this is a weird scene because, like, she kind of has, I, I understand she's 18. I did not give that much... I did not... She kind of doesn't give a shit, you know? Maybe that's because her dad she doesn't have a father figure it's kind of hardened her you know
0: yeah okay that's a good point that's that's a good point she's probably a little bit hardened than maybe we we kind of give her credit for but we do know and we do see through the course of this movie that she is pretty well trained and capable um so that kind of you know now we you know watching it here I'm like okay that yeah, it makes sense that she's able to fight the guy off I just I personally and my wife didn't understand why she threw the keys behind her and then then after she kind of like fought him up she had to go Get pick the keys up again and and you know start the bike. Um, but I, I, I kind mean, of did like the fact that you didn't see Dupree's dead body, I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, although you did see the zombie holding a chunk of you know, now we know that that's Dupree, but at the time we didn't. And then later, when she, when she has that realization of what happened to Dupree, I kind of enjoyed that. But but yeah, yeah. right here, I'm like, okay. Sure, whatever. It it still had that that low budget fight feel to it, you know. And then that's fine. No big deal. That does not take anything away from it in my opinion. No. Um but she no. she fights the zombie off. She she beats the zombie off. <laughs> 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 I could not couldn't resist. And uh and so she starts driving through the city and we get a bunch of cool more shots of her driving through this like dead city. I guess apparently you know, a lot of stuff they had to film in the morning. You know, before before everyone was out and about. But then they also kind of had to film things like away from stoplights and stuff to kind of give the traffic time to catch up and everything. Um, but super effective for a low budget movie this in every city shot in this in this movie is super super fucking effective especially when she goes up to that um she goes to like basically a stoplight and there's this car just in the middle of the road and you know she's sitting next to it on her bike because she's still you know muscle memories telling her that like everything is still sort of normal but then she looks into the car and you know it's running but their clothes are there and they're gone and that's when she's like oh Okay, I think that's when it finally clicks for her that I don't need to stop at stoplights anymore. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, no, I lo-
2: and in fact, uh she she went on the the actress said that that was one of her favorite scenes in the movie to film. Uh she and she went on record saying her favorite scene was the zombie fight scene.
1: Oh, cool. And
2: and she said the guy that she fought was a real stuntman, so he knew what he was doing. And, uh, and she's, you know, she said, quote, I'm, I'm kind of a tomboy at heart. So it was so much fun being flung into a pile of boxes and smashing him with a two by four taking off on the motorcycle. Like my life depended on it. Uh, in the context of the film, my life did depend on it. And normally I'm not a violent person, but in this fantasy tongue in cheek scenario, I had a gas.
0: That's awesome. That's freaking cool. Cool. That's awesome. And 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 we've talked about it before, but I do think another thing that makes this movie, um, it elevates this film is that you can tell everyone enjoyed making it. It was it I could you could feel the yeah. passion behind the movie.
2: Yeah, clearly because you know if if twenty five, twenty six years later and people are still talking about it and you know th- there's there's no bitterness about it. You know, people are like, ah, I don't want to talk about that. Clearly, yeah. they love it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So uh, Reg gets back back to the Belmont House. Essentially, um, she's in the house. She's kind of like walking around and and she's like yelling for for Samantha and Doris. Uh, she goes upstairs and is startled by Samantha coming out of her room. And Samantha's wearing her her now iconic uh, cheerleader outfit. And uh, but she doesn't seem to know anything weird has happened. And and you know she's like. She's, she basically says that she ran away from home last night um, because of what Doris did. She also thinks her tooth is loose, which I thought it was funny. Um, <laughs> but uh, she ran away from home and she slept in a shed. And yeah. I, it wasn't in this dialogue, but it was kind of like later that you find out that the the shed is made of st- is steel. So that's... Um, Reg is sort of putting it together. Although right now she doesn't know that she's putting it together, but it's another piece of the puzzle, essentially. Yes. And that is how... Uh, she. She survives, and uh, Samantha survives by staying in a shed, essentially. Um, and then – but we got this – basically, we have the whole scene of, of Regina trying to convince Samantha that something's going on. Samantha's like, you know, I don't know what's happening. Like, no one – none of my pep team rally people will pick up the phone, <laughs> but yet, you know, we're, we're supposed to have practice in, like, a couple hours. So Reggie's like – come outside. Let me, let me show you, you know? So Samantha goes to, to go outside and real quick, I got to say, she sees the dog's leash on the ground and the dust inside the house, inside the house. And when I was younger, I always thought it was, you know, it was just because you were inside, but now I realize it gets you unless you're in steel. Like, even if you're inside, it would, would have gotten you. I had
2: the exact same, uh, thought. Yeah. process going. on like, Wait a minute, why is their dog turned into dust? Oh, yeah, okay, this makes sense.
0: Yeah, and I'm like, okay, that makes sense why there's, like, literally no one alive anymore. You know, otherwise, like, even as a kid, I was like, it made sense to me the way I thought it because everyone did go outside to look at the comet. So it did make sense to me then, but it, they do a good job of illustrating that even if you did stay inside, you were just in your room, you would have gotten turned to dust as well. It's really just steel Steel's the thing that kind of protects you. And then that's really it. Um, but they go outside, and you know, Reggie, Reggie's now sort of pieced it all together. The, the dust is people, the clothes is where they used to be. And she's like, Look, this is Doris. Like, Doris isn't out and about. This is her. Look, this is Chuck. She holds up his white shoes, pours out the dust. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, Where are the kids? It's Saturday morning. Where are the kids? And no one's outside playing. And again, great shot of a, of a, you know, a little cul de sac. No music, just dead silence. And I am with you. It works really well when there's dead silence, you know, because yep. it just, that, that's freaky. Dead silence is freaky when it's juxtaposo- juxtaposed with like a scene that should have people in it. Yeah. So Samantha kind of just closes the door and, uh, and, and goes back inside. She's, she's, you know, like absorbing this essentially. And Samantha thinks that Regina is kind of, like, pulling a prank on her. But, you know, clearly she's not. But they're back inside. And the whole time there's a, a radio playing. You're like, okay, that that's that's weird, but okay. And so they they cue in on that. They're like, wait a minute. You, they hear that there's actually, like, a DJ talking and everything. They're like, oh, okay. So we cut to, like, downtown L.A. And Sam and, and Reggie are, are kind of at a um, – I don't okay I didn't write it down whatever the radio station was it's not a real one but I love yeah. where they were because that is so like Skid Row area that is so yeah. like East LA Skid Row and <laughs> so so Regina and Samantha go inside the radio station and oh boy this is the best set design in the entire movie oh it looks so great it is 80s apocalypse yes it's so great Oh, my God. It's amazing. So inside the radio station, guys, literally, if you've never seen the movie, just picture the 80s, literally just in your head, picture the 80s. And that's what it looks like.
2: It's everything neon, everything flashing, everything Mm -hmm. you love
0: about the 80s in this scene. (laughs) Yep. It's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. Beautiful. (laughs) Beautiful. The set designer should have won something for this. <laughs> yeah. So they they get in there and they're looking around, but it's empty. Even though they can hear the music, they can hear the DJ talking and everything, but it but it's empty and they're walking around and they finally find the, the DJ booth, but they realize that it's not live. It's just a recording of the DJ and they're like, oh shit. And then all of a sudden, Hector Gomez steps out of the shadows with his gun pointing at them. When you we sort of cut to uh uh regina and samantha the shot is sort of that samantha's kind of in the shadows and that that's important because uh hector says you know tell your sister to come out into the light like i need to see your eyes and i love how uh how samantha comes out she's like "Uh," and does that face with like her eyes open you know and and basically he's he's trying to see if they have those dead eyes like the zombies do yep because that's the giveaway, and then it'll build on that later. That's kind of a, a thing. The eyes is kind of like a, a of a telling of a tell that you're that you're infected. It's just it was it's it's a good idea, and this is where this is where one of the I'll start saying it now. This is where one of the first good ideas that just don't get executed that well. Like I get it, I get what the director was going for is that this whole eye thing is is something right, but it's just. It doesn't quite play out as as like deftly as like a maybe another zombie movie would do it or something. There isn't as much of a build up to it.
2: Yeah, and I think they got away with wearing sunglasses in the movie. Uh, you know, for it was a it was a cheap prop to get that scene to get that across effectively, you know, yeah. the people that are wearing the sunglasses. Yeah, it just I think uh, and I think too like no offense to Robert Beltran at all cuz i think he's a really good actor like he just he didn't compel me i i was just kind of like you know he's like i was a trucker and uh, you know, the girl I was, the girl I was with, you know, she split yeah. or whatever. And- yeah,
0: yeah, it, it, yes. I mean, to build on what you're saying, and, and it's, the dialogue's gonna essentially happen right now. He is a trucker going to San Diego. The girl he was with, he was kind of, he didn't, like, really know her. I think he just picked her up. Yeah. Um, they they came into the city, and they saw one of these, quote-unquote, creatures eating a cat. Uh. Side note, how did the cat survive? How did the cat not turn into a, yeah. yeah. It was, a, um,
2: it was in a steel shit house, I, I guess.
0: Exactly. Yeah, I guess so. Um and then he said the the girl ran away and then he kind of like found her later getting torn apart by to pieces. And me personally, I love when people tell stories in a movie. Yeah. I I mean, I love Quint's you know, monologue about the USS Indianapolis and Jaws. Yeah, I love monologue stories in a movie. This was one of the worst delivered ones that I've ever heard. And I'm with you. I don't have any problem with, with him as an actor. I actually, as a whole, I enjoyed him in the movie, but this one little, this one bit of dialogue, it didn't compel me. It did not suck me in the way it should have, because it was a cool story that he told, but I, he just, it didn't do it for me.
2: Well, he actually is probably my, one of my biggest, issues with the movie yeah uh you know like yeah, i, I I'm just, i'll just talk about it really quickly not to trample all over describing the scenes but you know like goes home and sees what's going on there and next thing you know he shows up in a santa claus costume and like he's all happy and with presents and like wait where's the where's I, there's there's a total disconnect and then he's a cowboy later in the movie and i'm like how many costumes does this guy want to wear you know like it just it was for me. It was frustrating because I didn't believe his character. Like, yeah. I didn't believe him to be a trucker. Like, he didn't he didn't feel like a trucker to me. He looked like, like he could have been a cop, you know, uh, and because he looks just like Eric Estrada, you know, at that point. <laughs> like, holy shit, it's fucking punch. Uh But yeah, I don't know. It just kind of it kind of bugged me because I didn't feel his romantic connection either. Like. It just didn't, just yeah. didn't have that thing for me personally that made me go, "I want to see more of this guy."
0: No, you're, you're totally right, man. Like, I don't know. I, I, guess, I guess, I guess, I guess, I should say, all of those are story uh, issues. Yeah, they yes. aren't issues that I had with him as an actor. No, they were, they were issues that that I. You're probably right in the fact that like maybe he wasn't right for that role. Um, as far as like how like his toughness or whatever but tonally that's the director's fault the The scene later you know where he goes to his mom's house and then he just runs away he's like there goes the neighborhood I'm like tonally that's the director's fault for for however that scene played out and yeah. then the, like later with the, the Santa Claus thing that's again the director's fault that's not Beltran's fault no, um, no. He, he, he just he wasn't right for the role though I don't think I like him as an actor and I always find him enjoyable but I didn't think like everything you said I, I didn't, he didn't feel like i didn't feel him as a romantic interest i didn't feel him like as being a tough guy and almost without those two things he's kind of a throwaway role did you do you really even need him in this entire movie up until the very end did you even need him
2: no because honestly what's more compelling to me is the is the sister relationship yes and through the whole thing and and again just really quickly like you don't need to have this weird kind of mother father with their kids dynamic at the end and like being very cheese ball, like, Oh, let's do their family photo or whatever. And dressing. I don't know. The, like that to me, I, I would have, I would have much rather enjoyed just seeing the two actors through the whole movie, the sisters through the whole thing. That's it. And surviving a la like the road, you know, with, uh, with, with Vigo, our boy Vigo. Like, I would have rather seen that dude.
0: Yeah, and even going have, into uh, a mall even, and
2: trying to clothes and shit. Sorry.
0: Yeah, and even have Hector Gomez just sort of show up, you know, maybe even survive, but he doesn't have to be like a love interest. Just, he's just come in and out of the picture. You know, I'm with you. The, everything should have been more revolved around the two sisters. They are the best part of the movie.
2: They are. They are, and I think that's. I think also that is a big aspect of why this movie is so popular mm-hmm. because that was kind of not the norm back then to have two female. Leads drive a movie, yeah, uh, and especially, and-
0: especially to like, like they are never incapable. They are, they are capable, like as characters. And I was, I was telling my wife, I was like, look, um, you know, she she's ten years younger than me, and we just watched like um, uh, Chopping Mall a couple weeks ago. We loved it, but same, you know, uh, Kelly Maroney's in that as well, and uh, you know, but I was telling my wife, I was like. You know, to defend Night of the Comet, you know, it's kind of a big deal that these two characters are, are silly valley girls, but they never—they're always treated with respect. And I was like, just look at um Shopping Mall just a year later. I was like, look at that. Look at the females in that. They were just scream queens. They just screamed and died, and that's all they did, you know, whereas in here— they actually had a point, and I and I know that Joss Whedon has sort of gone on record saying that this was one of his inspirations to Buffy and everything. And my wife's yeah. like, "Huh, that's that's interesting." I was like, "But yeah, but think about it. Like, before this, how many movies like this are there? Like, we now live in a post-Buffy world, so we sort of expect female characters to be treated, you know, with dignity and and respect, yeah. um, and able to hold their own. But it wasn't like that back in the '80s. So I will give this movie." all of the respect it deserves when it comes to how it portrays women in it, how capable it portrays them. Yeah, totally. I agree. If anything, if anything, I would have rather just seen Hector Gomez stay with them the entire time, not do his little side story mission and then, but then be completely incapable of things and have to be rescued by the girls. I think that would be a much more fun uh, scenario. Like you think he's going to be the tough guy, but then he has to get rescued. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, which now, if you did that now, would be probably considered cliche. Funny, funnily yeah. enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I now I will say this: I do like this aspect. Right after um, Hector talks about seeing that girl getting ripped apart, uh, uh, Regina basically calls thinks of of larry dupree and she's like oh god larry and she runs away and throws up and i was like that is such a a, a relatable thing she didn't oh, have yeah, this totally. moment where she was like oh larry like you know like another movie would have like had her say oh no 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 she just went and threw up because that's what we would do all of a sudden she realized because and that's the cool thing is she you you see the motions go through her head she sees that zombie coming out of the boxes with that chunk of meat that we now know is Dupree and she now knows is Dupree. And I guarantee you that's the image that made her throw up. Basically the, the sound of that piece of meat hitting the ground, like if this were real life, you know? And I like that. I thought that was a realistic reaction to that.
2: Agreed. Yeah.
0: Again, and it's and it's and it's one of the the female leads, so it, they get the best they get the best stuff in this movie. The 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 girls, um, it does give Hector sort of a chance to go, uh, uh, you know. Talk to her and uh, away from Samantha. You know, he's like, "Hey, how are you doing?" Yada yada yada. And and you know, they have this little thing. They have this little little bit of attention. You know, and uh, and Regina asks, you know, where Hector spent the night, and he said uh, he was in his truck. So she's like, "That makes sense." You know, the steel uh, protected yep. him, and and she's putting it together. And I like that she did it. I like that the scientist didn't tell her this. Like, I like that that Regina puts this together. Again, to what we're saying, I think that's what elevates this film. So we're still at the radio station and back in the control room. Samantha starts like messing around with the broadcast because, hey, at this point, she's like, ah, I'm, a, "I'm a kid. There's, you know, there's no one out there. Might as well have us some fun."
2: Yeah, and totally. uh, it makes she, right, sense. yeah, it
0: makes sense. That totally makes sense. Like they, they do a lot of things that actually make sense in this movie. The, the girls do. The two girls. Agreed. So we we sort of like cut back and forth. Now Reggie and uh, Hector are kind of like getting a little bit more chummy. And, you know, we kind of get the sense that that Regina knows about guns and stuff. And uh, then Samantha, cut back to Samantha on the mic, doing having fun, talking. And she kind of like announces the hotline number over the air. Like, hey, give us a call. And then she looks down and then the light starts blinking. Uh, cut back to uh, Regina and Hector are talking about like getting guns at a local army base, which we never see, but we kind of imply that maybe it happens. Um, yeah, I'm Sam, like, where the
2: fuck is this army base in downtown L.A.? <laughs> I know, right? I know. Yeah. <laughs> it it would have been smarter for them to say, you know, army surplus store, which, mm-hmm. which would make total sense. Exactly. In fact, there happen. is a shooting that range tank. in downtown L.A. too. So, you know, they could have been the, shoot- the local shooting range.
0: Agreed. Agreed. 100 percent, buddy. Um, Sam rushes in and tells them that someone called the hotline, uh, they kind of rush back, but, uh, the, the phone was, is already hung up. It's dead, but they start kind of having this discussion slash fight, but the camera sort of zooms in on the mic, you know, that they're basically, they're still broadcasting the, the fight over the air. And as they're sort of yelling about who, you know, who called, um, you know, what, what happened, you use that to transition, and now you see a bunch of scientists listening to the radio, and uh, yeah. scientists with like Dr. Clark, which is oh, I'm sorry, was his name? I'm sorry, Dr. Carter, which uh, was played by Jeffrey Lewis and uh, a- Audrey White. Is it Aubrey or Audrey? I think it's Aubrey. Yeah, um, it's, yeah, Aubrey. Okay, that's uh, Mary Warnov and and they are kind of like a group of scientists that that are in an underground bunker. Audrey. And, Audrey. Audrey. Okay, Audrey. Audrey is uh, Mary Warnoff's character. And uh, so they're listening to everyone fight, and, and the girls fighting back and forth while they're listening. Uh, the scientists say that they that they that if they stay where they are, they can basically pick them up tomorrow, uh, bring them back to the compram- compound. Uh, Audrey doesn't want them to bring anyone back. Does she know at this point that it's – is that why she doesn't want to bring anyone back? Because she I think knows so. what's happening? They, okay. they
2: yeah. don't really talk about that, which is – I feel like that's an important plot point they should have kind of addressed. But yeah, she's already she already knows that they're all infected,
0: that they're infected at this point. OK, yeah. now we as a viewer don't know, but we Audrey knows or she's maybe has her her suspicions. But yes. but Dr. Um, Dr. Carter says, uh, um, you know, what about the dis, uh, disintegration factor? Basically, it's a it's degenerative. Um, basically, if you were partially exposed, you will eventually dry up and turn into dust. Nothing can stop it. Um, so they think that everyone's going to turn into dust eventually no matter what. Uh Dr. Carter says that it's it's you know they'll go into the city tomorrow. It's too dangerous at night. Um we also hear that there are other survivors in San Bernardino as well. We finally hear them say that uh the zombies were people that were exposed, you know, to the to the rays and everything, but the effects are kind of slower. So those are if if you wait it out, those zombies are going to turn into a dust eventually anyways.
2: Yes. Yes.
0: So now it's nighttime and we're back in the city, and Samantha's driving fast through an abandoned city, and she looks like she's wearing a white dress, maybe a wedding dress, and she's drinking a beer. It's, it looks like she's having a good time. Yeah, at
2: this point, I'm like, oh, wait, she's wearing a fucking wedding dress, And but then it makes sense.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so she's driving through the city, and uh, as she's driving... At nighttime, two motorcycle cops come up behind her. She's like, oh, man, where were you guys earlier? And so, you know, the camera's on her as the cops are sort of pulling, walking up next to her. And she's like, oh, you know, I'm sorry, blah, blah, blah. This is going to be crazy. And then, you know... Boom! It's it's a zombie cop and uh, and this is the scene that freaked me the fuck out as a oh, kid yeah. was was the zombie cop. Yep, me too. I I think this scene got a lot of people at the time, and for me at the age, I mean, it came out in nineteen eighty four. I was I was young. I saw it on TV or something, probably in eighty eight or eighty nine, somewhere around there. But yep. you know, it's the idea that like. You know, a, a cop is, is supposed to be your protector and everything. And, and when a cop is bad, that's always, especially to a kid, that's always kind of freaky, I think.
2: Oh, especially this is in the 80s when Ted Bundy was impersonating uh, a cop and killing women. You oh, know, Pulling yeah. people over and, like, flashing a badge and then, you know, murdering them. So
0: yeah what Ted Bundy does (laughs) or did I should say Um, but as she's getting grabbed she wakes up it's just a dream Uh, she's back in the radio station and she sees Regina sleeping on the couch sort of next to her and okay okay it's all good she's back in the radio station so she goes into the bathroom to kind of freshen up and everything and uh, get into her underwear little obligatory underwear shot Uh, and then I'm like wait a minute
2: how old is this kid is is she supposed to be 17 I'm going to say she's 17
0: yeah i think she's supposed to be 17 because she's a junior
2: okay oh she could be 16 then dude.
0: yeah yeah technically i mean there is no 80s there is no nudity technically but that outfit that she was wearing was a little bit lacy and a little bit sheer so uh, i was like i don't know if that's if a if a if a high schooler is gonna wear that but i i I don't know what high school girls wear so we're gonna edit that out (laughs) 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 um but then a zombie comes in behind her and uh grabs her and and basically stabs her and then she wakes up again. Yep. Uh but this time it's for real. And I will say man, oh man, a dream within a dream there is nothing worse writing than than that, you know. That is like the worst writing you could possibly do and I find that it's I find it funny that what everyone sort of Remembers about this movie is a, a scene from a dream sequence essentially.
2: Yeah, yeah. I there's another there's a movie from the eighties called Wisdom with Emilio Estevez and Demi Moore. Uh cool, kinda like independent uh, maybe it was an it was somewhat of an indie type movie. Um and there's a dream within a dream sequence in that. And it's really like, oh come on. That 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 it's kind of the big F you uh moment and on one hand I like it and then on the other hand I like oh, that it's weak it's you know
0: I I will always say that a dream within a dream is weak writing that is always my opinion
2: Yeah I I won't I won't fight you on that
0: And and the, the sad thing is also I mean yeah the the zombie cops are just a dream and I think I was a little bit off put by that when I was when I got a little bit older. I mean, I revisited this probably when I was like, you know, sixteen or fifteen. Yeah. And I was like, oh, the zombie cops were just a dream. Oh, that makes it a little bit lame. You know, there's really not <laughs> a lot of zombie action in this movie, you know? No. And and, in
2: fact, the when, when we get to the mall and you know, that's they're they're like, yeah, they're zombie-ish, but not really But
0: not really. So I was like, okay. But, yeah, I was a little off-put by that, and I'm, I mean, I'm still kind of off-put. I mean, it's a cool scene, but I guess in my head I'm like, well, it has no point because it's a dream. So you could take it out, and it wouldn't have any bearing on the story. That, that's my problem with dreams. I mean, aside from, like, A Nightmare on Elm Street where the, the plot actually revolves around dreams or, or dreamscape or something, my problem with dreams in, in movies is that if you take – like, there is no point to it. If you take it out, that didn't change anything because it's not real.
2: Yeah, and you know what? You just reminded me that movie "Wisdom." It's not a dream within a dream, but it is a dream. And at the end, at the end of the movie, he wakes up from the dream. Spoiler alert! Yeah, well, and, that, and you're that's like, like fucking... what
0: that negates the
2: entire fucking movie.
0: Yeah, that fuck that fuck that writing right there. Fuck yeah. that noise. Yeah, um, unless you do that movie <laughs> that uh, what was it, the Richard Matheson movie with Christopher Reeves, where he basically goes back in time. Oh, that's a somewhere dream. in time. That's Some, rod that's, serling dude yeah that's different that's cool because like yeah even though yeah that's, that's hypnosis that's hypnosis it, yeah and, okay. and i love that movie i haven't seen that one since i was a kid oh, i did enjoy dude. that though
2: it's so I, tragic
0: i like christopher reeves man I I, I I always like him speaking of tragic yeah <laughs> yes. actually i was just
2: talking about christopher reeves the other day and i was just like man the guy It's such a sad story because he's such a great actor And then they did that weird weird, rear window movie with him where after he became a paraplegic and it was just so painful to watch because he's struggling to breathe the whole time and just... Oh,
0: man. That's kind of like when uh, Michael J. Fox had that sitcom about like five or six years ago. Yeah, when
2: when the Parkinson's was really peaking.
0: Yeah, and I mean like I i love michael j fox i I love seeing him on tv and i'm i was like i'm glad he's getting work even though he has the the parkinson's but at the same time it was heart-wrenching to watch that show and i only watched one episode and i don't think it made it past the first half of the season i don't think they ordered a back half it's just too hard
2: yeah i love that guy but i
0: do too yeah um, all right. So back from the commercial break. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, it's spe- speaking of. Um, so I ordered this uh, and sent it to Zach. I ordered it for myself on the same day. And uh, my Blu-ray still hasn't come. Um, it won't be here until next Monday. <laughs> and uh, so I had to watch it on Tubi with uh, with commercial breaks. <laughs>
2: oh, dude. <I'm laughs> Yay. <sorry.
0: laughs> oh, good time. Fuck my life. <laughs> you know what? Hey, I'm glad to be. Uh, I'm glad that I have to be because they have a ton of good uh, cult movies on there. Oh, they
2: definitely do. Yeah, no, they nah. do.
0: So, so she's back in there. She wakes up screaming. Um, and and uh, Samantha wakes up screaming, and and we know that it's real. Now, now it's real. Hector is working out in the gym in the, the radio station. And boy, is that gym 80s also. It's my God. The whole station is just crazy. And, uh, and, and Regina goes in there sort of to talk to him. And Hector says he has to go to San Diego to check on his mom and family. Um, I actually like this. He goes, he goes yeah. you know, I know they're gone. You know, but you you got your closure with your family. You got to see it. He's like, I know they're gone, but I don't know. You know? And I'm like, Again, very logical. I was like, that yes. that makes sense. Character wise, that makes sense. Totally, totally get that. Um, we get a little bit of sort of background info on on uh, Regina and Sam. Mom left uh, when they were young, and their dad sort of wanted boys, you know, because he was in the military. But she kind of implies that you know, Dad trained her, her and and Samantha, but he wanted boys, you know. So that's he kind of trained them as as tomboys, you know. Hector promises to come back from San Diego, and and you know, Regina's like, you know, please do, and uh, uh, but the whole time. Samantha's kind of sitting on the couch, getting like visibly upset at the whole scenario. Sort of yeah. the camera's like dollying in on her, she's getting upset. But then she also starts scratching herself, and that's another plot point. In downtown, we cut to downtown LA into the most iconic scene of this entire film is Samantha and Regina with their two Mac 10s shooting up a an old car. And this is just – I love this scene, just how amazing it is to two girls, like, firing machine guns in downtown L.A. Like, that's so awesome. But what makes the scene even fucking cooler is that the actress who plays Samantha does not break character when her MAC-10 jams. And when her MAC-10 jams, she goes, oh, see – Daddy would have bought us Uzis, like something like they don't jam, and that's and again that's that's actually something. The, the reason I love this is because a. That is something that is real. Like the MAC-10 is the cheaper version of the Uzi from my non-gun understanding growing up. In the 80s, the MAC-10 and the Uzis were such a part of the 80s. They were so fucking huge. And the only reason I know, or I should say I think I know that the MAC-10 is is the cheaper version is because it was explained to me in an issue of Punisher one time in the (laughs) 80s, like why he preferred the Uzi over the MAC-10. But I love that the actress... Stuck with the character and was like, oh, and because even when I was watching it, I was like, how did they make the gun jam right then? Well, the answer is it jammed on its own and she just yep. stayed within character. I love fucking love that scene. It, again, that scene. There's a reason the scene is iconic. We all remember it because it's good. It's legit fucking good.
2: Yeah, it's great. And in, 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 yeah, and in, and in, in, I mean, it's it's the one you see in magazines all the time or on on you know websites or whatever and instagram posts i'm sure you'll be blasting it yeah, up on me yeah i'm we... sure
0: i'll have yep <laughs> be yep. up there promoting it yep but it's and it's it's iconic it's iconic at this point um uh, but we also find out that little story-wise, we find out that <laughs> Regina sort of always stole the boys that Samantha liked, and she's like, you know, you're basically, you're gonna steal Hector too, aren't you? But, you know, Regina's like, okay, like, we, we don't kind of have time for this <laughs> kind yeah. of a conversation. And then they sort of bo- both sort of laugh about it, and, you know, it's like, okay. It's it's a little bit of a thread that doesn't quite go anywhere, and uh, and the, the problem that I have, I mean, it does go somewhere. Like, don't yell at me. I, I know that it kind of go somewhere um but at the same time it doesn't quite it's kind of like with the eyeballs the whole eyeball thing like i get it and and you guys they did their best to kind of do it but like the whole like oh the eyes getting milky is something that is an indicator it didn't quite play out as well as i think they wanted it to
2: no and i feel like i just feel like the dialogue just went on too long in every scene yeah like they just it's a little too padded Yeah, I I get it. I get maybe that's they they had to fill they had to fill scenes or whatever. But like I would have almost preferred seeing a montage of of Reg riding her motorcycle around or them more, you know, talking about the, the how to load a gun, showing off how badass they are loading a gun. Like, let's do that instead of kind of small talk. I'm not a fan of small talk in movies. We're just kind of meandering a little bit. And there's a lot of meandering that goes on.
0: Like, it's okay. the, the, the meandering starts ramping up as we get towards the end of the movie Yeah. and and i I agree with everything you just said. I would have liked to have seen like more training montage stuff,
2: yeah than, even than if boys. They showed I don't hear Hec- about boys, even if they showed Hector like working out uh you know longer or uh or showed uh you know Sam selecting songs to play on the radio we're talking about oh this, yeah you know. she did that, that a little fun. bit but yeah but like you know show a little bit of her like oh this music sucks or like or whatever you know yeah. they kind of riffing on the tunes of the time and i get it like they didn't have the budget to put in real songs because they do like the karaoke version of, of the cindy lopper's girls just want to have fun uh later yeah. on but but like you could still You know, this is the uh, we are armchair quarterbacks. We are, we are giving our own take on shit. What we would do to make it better, and that's what we would do to make it better.
0: (laughs) Uh, So now, well, we're going to get a little bit more of Hector right now uh, (laughs) down in San Diego. So Hector, well, he probably made good time, I guess, with no traffic out there, right? So boom, he's he's probably in San Diego in like an hour.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Except, say, except
0: in his truck, I guess. On the way back, maybe. <laughs> he
2: had time to pick up a Santa Claus costume.
0: Oh my God! All right, yeah. Jesus. So, so Hector gets down to San Diego. He, he he goes. He hears music coming from his house, his mom's house. He goes running inside, but he finds that it's empty. They're they're all gone. That's he was a little bit a, a second of, of you know hope, but it, it was dashed. I will say he runs into the house with his his glasses on. My wife, uh, who is uh, part. Mexican part Guatemalan part Salvadorian she said no self-respecting Latino would ever walk into their house with their sunglasses on they would get <laughs> she's like he would get beaten like instantly so, so he would have taken his glasses off immediately right when he walked into his house just from muscle muscle memory so I trust my wife on that assessment there <laughs> um, you know it's, it's a little it's a little sad. You know, he's he's you know grabbing some stuff to g- kind of take back to L.A. with him. You know, he's having his little moment and everything. And uh, he's going to go out the back door, and he hears, like, a sound, like a growling sound. He's like, all right, I don't know who's out there, but, you know, I got a gun. And he opens the door, and we got this, like – zombie kid staring at him. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's funny. I, I like I like the zombie kid. I liked his makeup, I should say. Um, he closes the door, and the zombie kid kind of runs in. They have a little chase thing. I don't know why he doesn't shoot the zombie. They, they, they actually throw – I'll say this. They throw in some ADR about him saying something about, oh, you're a kid. I'm not going to shoot a kid or something like that. But it was totally fucking ADR'd, you know? And uh, yeah, yeah, I
2: had a real hard time with that because I, I get it. I'm I... You can kill kids on screen. They've done it. They did it. They've done it before.
0: Fucking look at the blob remake.
2: Yeah. I mean, come on. Just like, just do it. Just like, or, or, or the kid doesn't even have to be in the picture. They can just show him shooting the gun. You know, the kid, it's like 85 pounds or 80 pounds. And he's trying to attack him or not even 50 pounds, you know, like, Shoot him.
0: Shoot him. Just just shoot him. Just shoot him at this point. You know, it leads him through, like, this, like, chase, a little small chase to the house. And it's, like, done for, like, yucks. Like, he, he, he's even like, oh, there goes the neighborhood. And, again, that was that was ADR'd as well. And I was like, oh, my God. It, this scene, I thought this scene was terrible. I didn't like any of it. He basically just runs out of the house. There's no conclusion to, like, the kid zombie. He, he's stuck in the house. And then Hector literally runs out of the house, doesn't go into his truck. He just runs up the street. I'm like, well, that does not make sense at all. And uh, that entire scene I thought was just terrible. Just, I thought it was a terrible scene from T to B, top to bottom. <laughs> um, hated it. <laughs> so uh, we cut – we get anything, so much we're add we're add gonna get so it? much shit from people. People been like,
2: oh, my God, you <laughs> trashing my favorite movie?" Hey, and
0: I think we've been pretty damn nice with this film uh, up until up until then, don't you? I, I'm not
2: disagreeing. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know. Like <laughs> I,
0: I think we're doing pretty damn
2: good so People far. Will be like, "When do we get to your favorite movie?" <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, but oh man, that I I don't know. That that scene just it, it didn't give me it didn't give me any insight into Hector that yeah. I couldn't have gleaned in some other way. And, uh, and it was, it would took up space that, like you said, I would have rather seen more stuff of, uh, of, of Regina and, and Samantha doing things, you know, like at, he's going to, Hector's going to come back anyways in his Santa suit, clearly unaffected emotionally from his family being killed. So why did we have to see this?
2: Yeah. Like I go back to that scene and I think like, even if he, you know, was getting super choked up or whatever, looking at pictures of his his mom, and then here's the scratching, and the kid comes out and he's like, "What the fuck?" And maybe he falls over the couch because yeah. he's so like blown away because maybe he—that's the first time he's seen a zombie—and just keeps saying, "What the fuck?" What? The, but there goes the neighborhood. Whop, whop. You know? It's yeah. Just,
0: it's, it, it ruins it. There goes the neighborhood. Literally just ruined it. Yeah. Ugh, it was terrible. Um, so we go to the, we cut to the underground compound and Audrey is like kind of working on her computer, but she can't remember the access code. Um, and then we, she jots down loss of memory is sort of one of the symptoms of, of the degenerative disease that they're all going to have. Um, so at this point we know that she knows what's happening to herself yeah and uh dr carter comes in um and wants audrey to administer a blood test in the field when they pick up regina and sam and uh so basically yeah he wants to make sure that their blood is okay to bring them back we don't know why they want to bring them back but he's very dr carter's concerned with the blood that's all we sort of know right now um when they're at the top, like basically, it's an underground compound. They go up to the top so they can get in the helicopter. And when they kind of go out the front doors, we see uh, two kids getting off of a helicopter, and we know that they were saved. These two kids were "quote yeah. unquote" uh, saved and, and brought back. And uh, we get a little, we get an interesting scene of of Doctor Carter and Audrey arguing, but with the, the propeller sound kind of covering over what they're actually saying. And uh, you don't get a sense, but Audrey sort of storms off and Carter sort of stand there and sort of out ends. And I like, I like that. I liked how you didn't hear what they were saying. I liked that the, the helicopter blades were kind of the sound of the helicopter was, was covering it up.
2: Yeah. And you get, and you get a sense that there's this underlying tension between the two of them. And I do want to point out, I, I don't know if it was in this, this scene or the scene prior with her, uh, the fact that she's in a military compound, she's a scientist, and she's wearing some pretty cool leggings.
0: <laughs> yeah, those leggings that are jazzer size the... leggings. Yeah, yeah. and I'm like, okay, <laughs> it
2: was a choice. You know? It's
0: because they're all wearing like these one piece, unflattering jumpsuits. Um, and, uh, unflattering,
2: and, and... and they don't all match. And no. so, and, and so, I, look, I get it. I, I know it's low budget and all that good stuff. And and but she's like got this military belt around her waist that. That, like it's for fashion and I'm, I'm going to give it, you know, a, a pass. It's just kind of, it's more comical. Just the fact that she's wearing these black fucking leggings. And...
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm with you, buddy. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> All right. That's the
2: choice. It's cool. Mary Warnow, by the way, she's like old school uh, in, she was like indie before indie, you know, experimental artsy type yeah. movies. She's like the Parker Posey of her time. Yeah. And, uh, oh, good
0: call. That's actually, yeah, that's a really good, uh, analogy.
2: Yeah. And, and she, I mean, she's great actress just like Parker Posey is so whenever she's on screen she's fun and Jeffrey Lewis I forgot to point out the fact that he was also a a terrifying vampire in Salem's lot. Uh, yes. and yes. The, the TV movie. So
0: I love that shot of him standing there with his like eye shine, yes. you know, uh, uh, in the bedroom, which you guys all know, I've mentioned it before. I've never seen Salem's lot um, oh, dude. because it was a made for TV movie. I kind of, that was kind of my barrier and I was like, oh, I'm not going to see that. Everything I've seen of it and everything that I've heard about it, everyone seems to really enjoy it. I really want to see it. I was actually going to watch it the other night, but I think I went with uh, something else instead, uh, another 80s horror movie. But um, I I definitely want to watch it. Yeah, I want to. Really bad. What sold me is or or was the shot of of Jeffrey Lewis sitting in the chair – Whatever that scene is, I don't even know what that scene is. I'm sure people are driving their cars off the road right now yelling at me. But I don't know what that scene is. But that, that thing is freaky as fuck looking when he's sitting there.
2: Well, and, and for those people that have listened to the Watchlist episode I did with Dustin Rubin, uh, and and I talk about how that that scene, that movie traumatized the fuck out of me. And what?
0: I wanted to see the movie before the Watchlist, but your Watchlist made me prioritize it higher because of your watch list
2: oh thanks yeah but
0: your, your trauma always amuses me oh
2: yeah as it does everyone
0: <laughs> you're like oh yeah i know <laughs> off the hell i go <laughs> i'm proud of my
2: trauma dude i will i, I love my are. trauma
0: I know you wear it like a badge of honor. Yeah, and
2: I've i only scratched the surface in some areas. So,
0: oh, buddy, we've got years to go to keep <laughs> yeah, digging, man. Right. <laughs> oh man! So we cut back to a uh, L.A. It's another cool outside shot of L.A. Um, Regina and Sam are kind of sitting on a, an abandoned cop car, and uh, Regina's like, um, "Oh man, like, like like you've been drinking a lot of soda. Your your acne's gonna rage up again, um, <laughs> but." Samantha says, Oh, I'm I'm thirsty. And she says that, uh, uh, and her rash is acting up, but she always gets a rash when she's nervous. So they're starting to layer in this thing of like, of like, she's thirsty because we know that she's going to quote unquote dry out and turn into dust. But is the rash really the rash or is it because she's, you know, she's nervous. I, I don't think ultimately they did a great job of sort of establishing this whole thing um, of whether or not, you know, Samantha has the infection or not. Um, It just it wasn't handled that well overall, but I get what they were trying to go for. I I really do. I do get it. It explains
2: Uh, why she doesn't have a boyfriend. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, seriously. High
2: maintenance. <laughs>
0: uh, uh, Sam Sam asks if uh, if Regina likes Hector. They kind of get, go back to that, um, and then Sam gets upset because uh, she starts talking about this guy that she actually did like in school, and then kind of like talking about her friends and stuff, and and realizing that you know it's it's over. And that that part I liked. I liked when it kind of got to that aspect of the conversation, and 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 she did. Uh, um, the actress who plays um, Samantha. Um, Ke- uh, Kelly um, Maroney. Yeah. Moroni. She does a great job of of letting sort of the 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 crying and the tears like overtake her in this scene.
2: Well, she even says uh, that's her favorite scene. In, it's a in, great scene. And in, in the in the movie, she said, um, she said, "I love, I love quote, I love the chance to share with the audience what was in her slash my heart."
0: Yeah, I, I I think that scene was highly effective yeah uh especially her and i mean she's she's fantastic uh uh, kelly maroney is fantastic in this movie um but because of her crying and everything regina suggests that they go to the mall and shop hey everybody Corey here i just want to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages What's up, guys? I'm Tess. And I'm Corey. And we are the ongoing
1: comic book discussion podcast, the place where one guy and one gal dive into the world of comic books one adventure at a time.
0: That's right. You can find us every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or any of your favorite podcatchers.
1: So come check out OCD Podcasts, where comic books are
0: Cool. cool! The land of nostalgia.
2: Hey, everybody! Welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host Tim, and with me today in studio is co-host. Oh, hey, Dean. hey,
0: Tim. Dean. Huh? Uh, this isn't a full episode. This is actually just an ad.
2: All we have to do is tell everyone that our podcasts come out on Mondays, and they can find us on their favorite podcatcher. If they're into movies comics or video games they should definitely check us out oh well then thanks everybody for listening and we'll catch you next time
1: talking back
2: hey this is brent and i'm eric and we are part of the friday five podcast yes sir we cover everything from the 80s to today we absolutely do you can find us every other friday on any of your favorite podcasting platforms like itunes like stitcher
0: oh man Maybe a little Spotify. Hey, and also check us out on Instagram. Absolutely. So come hang out. I think you'll have a lot of fun, and we will see you there. Yeah, bring your Proton Pack and your Ecto Cooler. And maybe some McNugget Bugs. And now, back to the show. Now we're at the mall and <laughs> cue the 80s montage scene with uh girls just wanna have fun. I, I
2: love mean, my montages, you know this. I love I my montages. I do not love uh karaoke versions of of big yeah. hits.
0: Yeah, I know, buddy. I know. They they wanted to play uh oh god. So what was whose version was this? Cindy Loppers? No, Lopper
2: is the, you know, the
0: original, yeah.
2: Yeah, and this is, you know, it's just somebody uh the guy that produced it, is the guy who did a bunch of the songs on the soundtrack. It's fine. I like I get it. I get it. They didn't have they didn't have the rights to it.
0: Yeah. But, they did what they could, I guess. Yeah.
2: It's cool that well that's a weird that's that would be a question I'd like to ask the director like if if they didn't have the rights to the original song, but they could do a cover, I wonder how much it cost them
0: and you i guess you also had to know that you were going to use that song because they did that right that isn't that bop the the dance that they're doing during the entire montage scene that's kind of from the the music video with Cindy Lauper, right oh, which yeah, is kind of doing much. that that yeah. that run sort of dance move yeah. um so you kind of had to film it knowing that you were going to use girls just wanna have fun
2: yeah and and don perry did he Looks like he produced all the songs. Okay, Um, he did and he did the music for it, so that makes sense.
0: Okay, Um, so it's it's a fun scene. You know, they're having their fun. Uh, It's fun for. The scene, the 80s style, and yeah, and I, I like say, the scene. I did too. I like the scene. I, one of my favorite aspects of this entire movie is seeing the the 1984 styles. I think yeah. that is fantastic, and also, like, and by that, I also mean not just the clothing, but like what was painted on the buildings at the time. Yeah, uh, dude. It, it's awesome. The, the it was very much a, a cross section snapshot of the time.
2: I, you know, it's so funny because some people are like, Oh, the eight look. Like, at the time, I thought this shit was cringe worthy, but I love it now. it's very nostalgic, mm-hmm.
0: I do too, I do too during the course of of them having fun and and you know doing all this uh they kind of put their guns down while they're while they're doing their getting dressed up and everything that that you know comes into play in a second. But we see that there's a camera watching them and moving, and then it cuts to a security control room. <laughs> we got some young-ass fucking Adam Corolla looking motherfucker. <laughs> the, the whole time I was like, Adam Corolla, is that you? And uh, so apparently there's this, like, gang of guys in there. There's about four or five of them, not a lot, yeah. just a handful. But they're kind of, you know, they're kind of goofy-looking. But, you know, they have guns and everything. And one of them, the main guy says, you know, like, you know, you guys are shoplifting, you know, put that stuff back. And now they know shit's up. So they turn off the lights and Sam and Regina realize that like one of their Mac tens are gone, but uh, Regina finds the other one and they essentially get sort of ambushed by, by these guys and get into like a little bit of a shootout. And while they're, while they're doing some uh, while Regina is sort of shooting back at the two guys, um, Samantha kind of moves around and, and, you know, drops like a TV on them, but ultimately gets, she ultimately, Sam, Sam ultimately gets captured by the main bad guy, and uh, you know is basically forces Regina, uh, who is holding another one of the the goons hostage. <laughs> the, I, I did like this. The bad guy's like, you can't. I can't let you hold one of my guys hostage. And she's like, all right, let my sister go. And and he's like, no, you don't understand. I can't let you. And he shoots the, the hostage. I was yeah. like, okay, that's that's cool. I liked that. Um, yeah, because the guy's
2: thought, like, come on, man. Let's, you know. Yeah.
0: I thought they were, and I know that there's a reason for this, and I didn't know it at the time, but I thought they were kind of goofy. You know, I thought the, the that the villains here – I didn't understand it at first. I was like, why are they so kind of silly? Why are they so young? But... There's actually a reason for that. And, and, and I'll get to it in one second. But during the shootout, we do uh, see Audrey and a few of the scientists land their helicopter in LA. And they kind of like are looking around. They find the car that's all shot up. And they're like, okay. And it's still smoking. So they're like, okay, it must have been like 30 minutes ago or something. And they're like, all right, where would they be? And they're like, ah, let's deduction means that they would be uh, maybe uh, in, in the mall, essentially. Um, but we go back to the mall and Regina and Sam are sort of tied up in the basement. Uh, they got captured and, uh, we find out, this is what I like. We find out that these guys were stock boys and they were working in the mall overnight. So they're kind of sort of partially, uh, exposed, you know? Yep. And this was the moment where, so... Myra asked, you know, today because she know she knows I rewatched it and broke it down today. She goes, "How did you like it? You know, watching a second time because her and I didn't, you know, care for it too much the last time." And I said, "You know what? I did like it a little bit more this time, and it was mainly because of the mall stuff. Once you find out that they were stock boys, it makes sense. So when I rewatched it, knowing that, I was like, oh." That makes sense. They're they're stupid kids. They're stupid kids trying to trying to play wasteland, trying to play badass, you know. But they're just yeah. stupid stock boy kids, and that's all they are. And rewatching it, knowing that, I enjoyed the mall scenes a lot more. I found it to be a lot more fun.
2: Yeah i i, I didn't mind the I didn't mind this whole sequence. Uh, I thought it was fine. Like, and and they and because they are slowly turning into zombies zombified and they're like makes sense that they would be kind of wacky losing their minds and this Mm -hmm. movie is like very kind of tongue-in-cheek in in many ways so of course it's going to be more silly
0: than it is going to be scary yeah uh, although although that scene where he's got the the gun doing the russian roulette on on samantha that's creepy pretty pretty creepy and then the actor the, the poor man's adam carolla um at first you know when when i you know when I was watching it for quote unquote the first time uh, this week, not the first time in my life, but the first time this week, I was like, man, they are not like scary villains. But now no. knowing what they were and what they are, I thought it was very effective. I was like, oh, that was actually a lot of fun right there.
2: Yeah, no, no, totally. Yeah, it's 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 a fun. It actually is a fun sequence. Yeah. Um, and again, feels like it goes on a little too long.
0: <laughs> I agree with you. It does seem like it goes on just a smidge longer than it needs to. Because um, the but,
2: dialogue just doesn't seem to serve a purpose, you know, other than just showing their relationship.
0: Right. And, uh, yeah, other than being, them being creepy or, or whatever. Yeah. It almost feels like the dialogue here was just the punchline to the whole thing of them being stock boys, you know. Uh. Yeah. B- right before the, the – the, the, but – you know that being said, the Russian roulette scene I thought was very creepy, and I thought he did a good job delivering his lines, uh, the actor. But short lived because they're all gunned down by the scientists who, you know, conveniently found them in the basement. So that that was great. <laughs> not not very hard there at all.
2: They're they're um, really smart. So.
0: Hmm. Um. So they save them. They're they're outside, and the scientists are kind of like over by the helicopter, and they send Regina. Back to the compound, but uh, Audrey and another scientists are going to stay behind with Samantha because they think she's infected. But they don't really tell Samantha that, right? They kind of tell her that we're going to stay back and wait for Hector, you know, or whatever. Uh, but Samantha isn't going with Regina, and it's because we think that she's infected.
2: Yeah, it's kind of a throwaway. Like I get it, I get it, I get. You know that they got to move the, the the movie along, but would have been like. Wait, I'm not leaving my sister. If there's only two of us here, I'm not leaving my sister. And they're like, bye. She's. It's very. It's very like. Uh, it's handled very just aloof. Like,
0: bye. See you later. I <laughs> yeah, love you. I, that was the part. Like, there was no. There was no like like build up to to Regina sort of leaving. There was no like them hugging. I didn't quite understand why Samantha was okay with being you know separated from Regina. Yeah
2: it it, did yeah because because let's be honest they they're they're sisters they love each other they're not gonna just be like oh these scientists just show up they know what they're talking about okay sure uh i'll listen to everything you see uh oh yeah we're just wait for hector here and uh and uh, you go in the helicopter and i'll see you in a little bit okay
0: yeah (laughs) I like how you just devolved into Canadian. <laughs> you are welcome. Hey, go go now, yeah. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. So, apologies to all of our Canadian fans out there,
2: <laughs> or um, Midwestern uh <laughs> Sheboygan.
0: So, we're kind of like in the mall <laughs> and it's 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 um Audrey, which is Mary Warnoff's character. Um I forgot the other sci Oscar. Uh yes. another throwaway scientist Oscar. It's It's yeah. not Dr. Carter. No. No,
2: he he's kind of uh, like he, he's a throwaway character.
0: Yeah, yeah, and uh, and Samantha. So so Audrey's kind of like sort of ch- making sure Samantha's okay. She's kind of got a briefcase with her that she's taking out a needle. Uh, Samantha is you know they're just kind of talking, and Samantha's like you know well this you know I have a rash because I've always gotten that. That's kind of like her thing. Um, she explains that and then she's like oh but if i do have the the con- you know the infection or whatever this will cure it right the yep. needle that mary that um, audrey's about to s- stab into her yeah. she's like yeah you know and, and at this point you think audrey's you know okay so she, she sticks her with a needle and then you know i love how samantha's like you know oh there's you guys are like geniuses right cuz you're scientists we had a couple geniuses at our school they were wimps and then she like then she dies. Right. Then she like basically closes her eyes and, and dies. And uh, I was like, oh, shit. When I was watching it for the first time with my wife, I was like, oh, my God, did she just fucking kill Samantha? And and that's yeah. what you're supposed to believe. So now, like, uh, you know, Mary Warnoff, I keep on Mary Warnoff, uh, Audrey, you know, says, OK, well, I don't want to bring anyone back. To the compound and and uh you know uh, Oscar says oh okay we gotta but we gotta wait for for Hector like that's what we said we were gonna do and then uh, Audrey and he, he's like going for his gun because Audrey's kind of like making her stand you he could he you could sense that he could sense that she was making a stand even though she wasn't physically doing it yeah and she was like well, Oscar why are you going for your gun do you think I'm gonna shoot you or something he's like oh no no and then right when he drops his hand she fucking shoots him I was like ah that was. That was kind of cool. I yeah. kind of dug that that little back and forth because I like how when Oscar was talking, he was kind of just reaching for his gun because he could sense that something was up. I liked that.
2: Yeah, she's a good she 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 plays a good villain. Uh, War- yeah,
0: Mary Warnoff.
2: Yeah, or yeah. alleged villain. Yeah, possibly not. Exactly, possibly a good guy.
0: And again, watching it a second time, so briefly or so recently after watching it previously i'm like oh okay i get to i get to actually you know have these things in my head and know them while i'm actually watching these things play out but the first time because it was such a long time since last time you and i watched it i forgot half of this stuff you know
2: yeah me too me too
0: so it was kind of like a real fresh i do think that when you and i did watch it like five or six years ago we were probably pretty drunk both of us at the time
2: we were and we were watching a youtube version of it Oh yeah, uh, and it, the 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 quality was really shitty.
0: Um uh, good old Tubi. Back before Tubi, man. Yeah, YouTube. <laughs> You're like YouTube I don't know, Tubi. fuck Tubi, man. <laughs>
2: I, fuck anything with commercials. I, I get it, but Yeah,
0: it's true. But yeah, fuck commercials, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Except for um, ones uh-huh. that
2: want to sponsor our show. <laughs>
0: save good save buddy yes we love commercials that sponsor our show and right now
2: (laughs) come on you know and honestly four pines brewing company out of uh based out of australia really damn good beer
0: (laughs) solid solid plug there buddy solid plug oh man so (laughs) <laughs> we kind of get a shot of Hector uh, coming back to the radio station, coming back to L.A., and he's driving this, like, real cherry Buick, uh, you know, something from the the 50s or the 60s, uh, real pretty car. He, yeah. I mean... He uh, clearly upgraded from from his truck, um, yes. you know, when he was in San Diego, that's and why that's why he fine. ran off. He yeah, ran I, off. I, I won't be, I will not begrudge him uh, his character of wanting to upgrade his ride during the apocalypse. I get that. <laughs> yeah. I get that, I, and I
2: get, I, I get what you're about to describe too. It makes sense on one hand because you're, it's now the apocalypse, and everyone's just like doing whatever the fuck they want, and you know stealing shit or going a little bonkers but
0: but why santa claus
2: yeah i mean (laughs) i I get it i know christmas just happened this takes place around christmas time
0: uh this is a christmas movie technically
2: technically it's a christmas movie um it's not better than invasion usa i can tell you that much (laughs) but uh but yeah it's just it doesn't work for me and If he if he came in with presents and he had a Christmas sweater on and a scarf around his neck, yes. that would
0: make more sense to me. Not but the full regalia. He's dressed up like fucking Santa Claus. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's like that's in bad taste by maybe maybe if he does it for the kids like in 3 years or something, you know, or like, you know, when time has passed, but too soon, man, too soon.
2: And he just he barely knows Sam and Reggie, you yeah. know? He barely knows them. And and to be like a tough guy, badass, like, you know, it's hard out there and I gotta go do my thing, and to suddenly show him and be like, Hey guys, I'm fucking Santa Claus. ho 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 like it just doesn't work for me. It's 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 too like a dramatic twist on his character.
0: And I will add on to what you said earlier this is all time that you could have been spent putting more time into uh, the Regina and Samantha character uh, we, uh, characters. We don't, we don't yes. care about Hector that much. So why even give him this much screen time?
2: Yeah. Even like a scene of like, you know, Reggie and the helicopter saying, so, you know, yeah. How long do you expect this? You know, when do you think my sister's going to get here, or whatever? Yeah,
0: so, something like like take th- these moments, take take this time, take this you know runtime, and apply it to different areas that we actually needed more explanation for. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm with you on there, or even um, with the two kids. Yeah, that we, that, uh, yes, that we, that
2: we that we haven't seen for quite some time now, and then we're going to see in a minute,
0: and you yeah, know, one of them looks 100%. like a
2: Asian Danica McKellar, and the other one looks like.
0: You know, the... a, a, a blonde little you. That's what I thought when I saw him. <laughs> I said that looks like a little Zach. I, I really could see his I, face.
2: I said he looked like a kid version of John Elway, but uh...
0: no, I said a kid version of Zach. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, little little uh,
2: William Zabka action.
0: There you going go. On. Uh, so um, Hector goes into the radio station, and uh, Audrey is sitting on the couch with her gun pointing at him and he's like where's you know regina and samantha she tells him that yada 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 um regina's at the compound thing and i like how she's like do you need this like she immediately she's pointing the gun at him then she's like do you need this? And he's like, "No, I got my own." She's like, "Okay." She just kind of puts it away. Yeah, I like that. I was like, yeah, "Okay," you know, it makes her now. On un- she's not threatening, but she says that, uh, she you know she's not thinking straight. She's wearing the sunglasses. This was something I didn't note the first time that I watched it, and now that I watched it a second time, so recently, I was like, "Okay," she's wearing the sunglasses. Yep. She's she's already going. Right now. And she says she can't remember everything, so she wrote she wrote everything down. I liked how she goes, but I think there's some, like, misspelled words in there. I like that. <laughs> it was a good little character moment that, that yep. she, as a scientist, would care that there were misspelled words. Um, she says that the scientists think they can create a serum, but uh, they are infected because they <laughs> – and she explains that they basically – they left the fucking vents open in the compound. She's like – and she even laughs about it. She's like, fucking scientists, man. Like, we do all this shit. And at the end of the day, we left the fucking vents open. And that's why they're all infected. Um, But while she's talking, she's kind of shooting herself up with the same uh, pin, you know, same needle that she gave uh, Samantha. So we know what's happening and or at least, you know, we think we do. And uh, she basically expires right there. Yep. and Hector kind of walks over and checks on her. He's like, "Oh shit!" And then he kind of looks back at the the paper, and you, that's sort of like where that ends. Back at the compound, Doctor Carter is questioning Regina. Uh, she sees the two kids walk by, and she's like, "Okay." She's like, "Oh, they're the survivors." You know, Doctor Carter kind of mentions it. Then cut to so he's and Doctor Carter's kind of like asking like uh, just all kinds of stuff about her. You know, are you anemic? This and that. She doesn't know why, but we're kind of getting the sense that. You know, he's getting trying to question her about her blood or whatever. Uh, We sort of cut to these two scientists extracting blood from some comatose people. We're through dialogue and through these two female scientists conversing, we find out that they the that. The Comatose people were sur- quote unquote survivors. They put them into comas, so they did that as scientists to, in order to harvest their blood to make the serum for everything. They're going to do the same thing to the kids too. So you, now we know that they're they're sinister. Like this is this is not good. There's um, there's a
2: funny moment with Reggie when they're asking her if she's you know uh, about her illnesses or whatever and doesn't she say she had mono once or something yeah
0: like that? yeah she goes like i had mono once you know and and carter's like okay dr i was like okay and then uh and i love when she was like cancer and he's like you have cancer she's like no i am i'm a cancer And she's like we like to know like where we are and what we're doing you know which kind of <laughs> yeah. like sort of puts puts the the end you know to the to him you know questioning her essentially yeah and uh so he sort of gets up and and he's 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 asking she's asking too many questions and uh he basically gets up and he says uh he goes your sister's dead you know and she's like what and She's like yeah you know she would have died in 48 hours but it, this was painless and kind of gave her this this smile but during the course of this uh conversation dr carter has to put on his glasses because his eyes are getting uh sensitive to the light so we know that he's feeling the effects as well because the glasses are what tell, you know, tells him, tells the viewers that what's happening. So Dr. Carter leaves the room wearing his glasses. Uh, another si- scientist g- goes into the room, and uh, this guy, I think his name's like Ward or something. He's like scientist number like C, c- you know, like scientist number three. He, he gets some screen time, but I, f- I didn't track his name. I forgot it. No. Um, I think it's not, it's not Carter. I wrote it down later. It doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> it, it's lame. It's lame. This, all the, I hate all the compound stuff. I'll just say it right now. I hate all of this stuff. Yeah, I don't yeah. think it's well done.
2: I remember watching it back with you back in the day and us saying the exact same thing then like oh this is where the movie really hits the skids
0: this is where it stalls out for me and I it's always a fucking shame when when a movie dies in the third act because The last thing you see is the third act, you know, like I would always have a movie rather be good at the beginning, good at the end, and then just be boring in the middle because you want to remember the ending. I just
2: I just said the same thing about the movie The Explorers the other day. mm, And mm. and I said, look, I love that movie. Love that movie. The first two acts are gold. The third act is a turd. And I it's really unfortunate. Yeah, when the third act hits, that's when you start. I check the time on. I'm like, how much time does this movie have left on <laughs> it? <laughs> because, yeah. because we're really like going slow. It, it could have been cool, you know. It could have been cool. I get what he was going for. Get. I, I've seen that movie, Coma, with Michael Douglas, the Michael Crichton story. Yeah. Uh, it, it's fucking badass. That scene where all the people are hanging from. Uh, they're mm-hmm. all in like forced comas. Yeah. I get that. That's cool. It's probably what he was thinking about that. But it just like it just didn't work.
0: It, you said it great when you said it just it hits the skids in the third act. I, all of this underground compound stuff, it just it did not interest me at all. Um, and I just don't think it was very well executed. No. Uh, but we're, and we're sadly, like, we're in the last like 15 minutes of the movie and yeah. dude, with you, I was counting the fucking minutes here. Um, <laughs> sadly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, another scientist, the the one we don't give a fuck about, goes uh, goes in to talk to Regina after Dr. Carter leaves and, uh, you know, he sees that she knocked over the, the computer monitor and whatnot and, and he's like, Okay, that wasn't you know sort of necessary. That's childish. And as he's picking up the computer stuff, he gets cold cocked by the uh, keyboard. Her cold swinging cock. the keyboard board on him, bow, 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 knocks the fuck out of him. Get and I'm like, cocked. yeah, you do it. Go cold forty five. Topside, we kind of get Hector kind of rolls up to the gate in his sweet ass ride, but he's wearing like. Full on like cowboy outfit, and I'm like, okay, so and now he's now like, he's a fucking of, cowboy. Now he's a cowboy, and I'm like, everyone's dead. Who cares? You don't need aliases when you're like one of twenty people left on Earth. Like you don't need to have a cover or aliases.
2: I just it just dawned on me what would have made this more believable uh, is if is if he was like a fan of film, and he was doing bad impressions a la quick kick from G.I. Joe every five seconds like hey sweetheart you know you come around here often that would explain like him being a fan of dressing up and costume because you kind of paint him as this badass tough guy in the beginning and then he's dressing up like Santa Claus then he's dressed up like a fucking cowboy and and I'm he I if if I it it got annoying to me because I'm like it's just not it's out of character for what he was originally like you know yeah. he's silly he's silly now yeah nobody's like look reggie and sam are not silly they're not cliche you know sam has her cheerleader outfit on in the beginning and but she's but but they're but they're like they've got layers to them um mm-hmm. by the way fun fact she uh kelly had said that originally Her character was not anything like the character that ends up on screen. She was supposed to be the annoying cheerleader type that ends up dying. And they really fleshed out the character and made her somebody that you could root for. Well, you didn't do that with Hector. And and, and I know Robert Beltran said, you know, he did not want to play a stereotypical Cholo. Yeah. Okay. But what... So... By doing what costume changes every five minutes and, and, you know, one liners. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And and I mean, I, I get him not wanting to, and this is on IMDB. So as yeah. he says, quote unquote, I didn't want to play a stereotypical quote unquote Cholo. Um, and that's fine. I, I get that. I, and, and I get that, that, that this is, is not that, but if this isn't good. And you could no. have done you could have done hundreds of things differently that were not Cholo esque, you know, to stay out of the Cholo realm, then why did you pick the one thing that was weird and stupid? You <laughs> know?
2: Yeah. And if you're gonna go that route, then make your character weird and stupid. Like, yeah. have him do yeah, weird, like, quirky things.
0: Yeah, like, have him be, like, a film buff, or, like, or, fuck, I don't care, be, like, a Looney Tunes buff and do, whoop, 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 you know, like, it's kind of how um, uh, and I just did a, a Three's Company or Three Stooges, because right when I said Looney Tunes buff, I started thinking about Lethal Weapon and how Riggs was, like, a big, uh, sure. you know, in the movie, he was a big Three Stooges fan. Why not? Do, some, do something like that. Exactly. Do something like that. Who gives a shit? But whatever they, whatever he they did with Hector was wrong. Was all wrong, you know? And I don't want to, I didn't want to make him cholo esque. I don't want that. But no, they, I didn't want to, the way they want, went was wrong.
2: Yeah, I didn't want him I didn't want him to be a stereotype uh,
0: or or I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. Or no, no. make him a stereotype but then do something that makes it spin on its on its head. You know like like make him turn around, do a 180 or you know what I mean like lean into the stereotype but then spin it. Make him spin it somehow, you know? So
2: you know if they if they end up making this movie now, that's what they'll do with his character, I would mm. think. That I think now would be they can really flesh out his because he is a integral part in this movie. Yeah.
0: He, well, he's... and then that's and what we talked about earlier, you know, freaking two hours ago. Um, <laughs> this this movie's perfect for a remake because yeah. these are like, yeah, keep yeah. If you make make a remake and keep Hector in it, just make him better, make make it better. And again, it's never never the actor that I have a problem with. And in this particular case, I think he's a fine actor. I just I'm not a hundred percent on on the directions that they went with his character. To everything you just said, essentially,
2: yeah, the bolts are loose on this. On this table, they just need to be tightened up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah,
0: yes. That's that's a perfect analogy for this entire fucking movie. Just, just maybe lose the fifth leg. You know, like like you know what I mean? And uh, tighten up the bolts that are there. Just make it make it a tighter story. Make it a tighter uh, film, and it would be infinitely better because the concept is fan fucking tastic.
2: Well, it reminds me of like when's when and and I'm 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 at fault for this definitely, but when you get. You know, a new piece of furniture that you have to assemble and you're like, oh, I can do this without reading the instructions. <laughs> and then mid- midway through, you're like, oh, shit, I forgot the panel on the back. Fuck. Like, that's that's what that I, I do that all the time. That's what happened with this movie. Like, they put the shelving unit together and at the end they're like, oh, this is supposed to go on the back and nail it. OK.
0: And 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 since it's IKEA, you can't take it apart and and You're just sort of stuck with it the way it is. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's a good one, buddy. That's that's a good one.
2: The pressed wood will get all trashed.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh shit! Well. All right, well we're at the we're at the finish line, so let's, let's get through it. Um, <laughs> uh, basically, Hector convinces this guard to come over to his trunk of his car, and I don't know why the guard would ever fucking do that, but it doesn't matter. Uh, he's like, "Hey, Hector's like, hey, you got you like girls? I got a girl in my trunk." He pops the trunk. Samantha's in there. Guards like she's dead, and and you know, and Hector's like, "No, she's not." And then Samantha wakes up. They kind of startle the guard, knock him out. And that's that, and and we have a little line where where Hector says she's not dead. She just uh, she was just shot up with a sodium pentothal or something, which knocked yeah. her out. And I'm like, okay, well, boom, there you go. She's she did not die, and uh, she was an integral part to to the ending as well. So uh, that's cool, though. I'm glad fine. that they I'm, I'm that they cool acknowledge
2: that. that. Yep. Yep. And cool it's weird when she pulls him into the she pulls the guy into the. She like pulls him into the. But she trunk. pulls him
0: in, but he kind of hits him. He so, like and when he's she's, yeah, it's it's a weirdly shot little thing. But when she yeah. pulls him, it kind of hits him, and then Hector kind of gives him a little nudge too. But yeah, it's it's yeah, whatever. He gets knocked out. All that matters. Don't need to dwell on that one. <laughs> that was weird. That was. <laughs> but I'm, but a weird I'm glad
2: one. they mentioned why. Yeah, I mean it's a little bit of you having to put two and two together. Why did the scientists shoot her up, and just knock her
0: out? Because uh, yeah, and so now well let's let's talk about the, those things afterwards and we'll see what we can sort of discern. Um, so up top, Hector is putting bombs under the cars while Sam is killing the power in the generator room. Uh, Because the power's out, Dr. Carter mentions that, oh, the life support with the bodies, you know, the comatose bodies. So he's like, all right, I gotta go check on that. While some guard is kind of like holding uh, uh, Regina at gunpoint, Um, as soon as Dr. Carter leaves the scene, Regina does her military sort of training badassery and kind of knocks that guard out and sort of, you know, gets away. Regina then... uh, stops she kind of gets in on the 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 two scientists the two lady scientists are about to put the the two kids asleep you know they're telling him oh you're gonna go to sleep and then you're gonna wake up and you're gonna live with santa forever it's kind of funny
2: that i like that scene actually it's funny
0: yeah and and i mean the we think about it. the two female scientists are pretty fucking evil here you know oh they're super evil they're super evil, man. They got no problems killing kids. Because they even joke, they're like, oh, I like working with kids. But, you know, knowing that they're also, like, essentially killing them and 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 harvesting them, you know. But they want to survive. Of course. So, of course. But they're a little bit evil about it. Yes. So, so Regina kind of, is like, has them at gunpoint, you know, tells them to sort of, you know, stop and everything. And as she's standing in the doorway... Fucking Samantha comes right up behind her, you know, yeah. and sort of surprises Regina. Regina spins around and shoots, but but <laughs> Samantha ducks. I was like, "Holy shit!" That kind of startled me. Uh, she almost shot, you know, Samantha. But uh, it was a cute little scene. Samantha's like, "Samantha's like, hey, I'm here," you know, and uh, and and <laughs> you know, it's it's cute. I like it. So then we cut back to Carter and a oh, Wilson. That's the other guy's name, um, the the sea scientist that we don't give a fuck about. Uh, <laughs> Carter and Wilson kind of find the two female scientists sort of tied up, um, and they have the sleeping gas on their face. And I like how they made a sign that said "going to meet Santa Claus," you know. Uh, yeah, but they're funny. sitting there laughing and and they're 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 basically just sucking on sleeping gas. And uh, so R- Regina and Sam make their way out of the compound, sort of back to the surface. Hector meets them in the car and they sort of drive away but Hector stops as the scientists sort of get to the surface and here's what the problem I have there's only like two cars right this is an entire compound and there's only like two cars it's the, the set decoration for this like the upstairs like compound area was bad that was a very a part that I had a hard hardcore problem with
2: yeah I feel like they
0: budget budget that's the answer i understand it's budget <laughs> but
2: but also also it's uh, you know I mean, if you look at the beginning of the movie everything there's a there's a, there's a lot more put into the beginning of the movie yeah uh makes 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 you think that they shot this in sequence because at the end they're like okay how much money do we have left and what do we have
0: <laughs> we have a hundred dollars left okay yeah
2: you know and I, okay i get it yeah um it, it is yeah it, it's, it, it, it's weak sauce
0: it, it yeah it is what it is but it's yeah it's it's not great and again it's it's the fucking climax that's i mean it's it's what you're left with at the at the end of the movie this is it and it's it's truly the weakest part of the film but um so Hector kind of stops the car, and and they have the two kids in there. It's it's Regina, it's Samantha, it's Hector, it's our whole entire cast and um, our main characters. And the scientists are are kind of getting into their cars to chase after them. And we see that Dr. Carter has kind of fully changed, and That's uh, cool. he. Yeah, I like that. He gets in the car with Wilson. Wilson's in the driver's seat, and he's like, hey, do you smell that? And then in the shadows, Dr. Carter, you can tell, is completely turned, but— he doesn 't attack Wilson; he just turns the keys. He turns the key on, and the car explodes so boom, Dr. Carter and Wilson are dead. Um, everyone sort of cheers and then while they 're sort of watching them burn to death, I guess, which is really morbid when you think about it, yeah. um, a random like scientist zombie uh, attacks the the little girl, and um we're here 's the part that I have one of the biggest problems with. Regina's there and she throws the gun to Hector for Hector to shoot the the zombie scientist that's attacking the girl. And I'm like, why didn't Regina get that kill? We know that she's capable. Yeah. She had the gun in her hand. Like, why would she have not taken that shot and killed her? And I felt like out of all the strides that this movie makes to make Regina and Samantha, you know, these awesome badass chicks... That that neutered so much of it. Oh, I feel I like failed.
2: from that point on, for the rest, for the last five minutes of this movie, you neutered Regina totally because suddenly, you, uh, in, a, in a in a minute, you're going to turn her into a like domestic housewife.
1: Yeah, uh, yes. which is
2: yeah. really fucking weird to me. And I'm like, I just I don't like it. I don't like it. You know, I, I don't yeah, really I, I, going back. I don't like the fact that her character uh was as like you know if if her fucking boyfriend is implying that she's a whore and he's she's well worth more than 15 bucks we're like fuck you you know when she's already clearly independent she can play she's playing the video game doesn't give a shit about her boss you know there's all these moments in the movie where she she's showing off her independent side and then that comes out, and you're like wait, no, that's really deflating to her character
0: very deflating. Like like Hector didn't deserve to I mean he already got the win with the like the bomb, you know, killing Doctor Carter. Yeah. Like Reg, Regina should have gotten the, the final moment on, on that one. Yeah. Um yeah. And then uh, you know, we're we're the final, you know, the denouement, that was the the climax. So Last five minutes, we see uh, it's Easter. I didn't pick up on that the first time, but now it, some time has passed. Uh, there yes. was, by the way, it rained and then all the the the, the dust, everyone's dust and clothes uh, washed away. Um, but uh, so now it's Easter, and the two kids are sort of in their Sunday best. Um, Regina wearing the most god awful '80s dress I've ever seen, but at the same time, still pretty fucking fabulous. I, well, um, I
2: wrote I wrote that down. I said I said you have you can pick whatever you want to wear and that's what you chose <laughs> she looked
0: like a, she looked like a southern gospel singer in it you know it's really awkward yeah <laughs> it dude. was but it was pretty it was 80s fabulous though um and and so hector is now tossing all the guns away into a trash can first off stupid. uh you know if if the walking dead has taught me anything it's not yes. the zombies you have to worry about it's the other human yeah, beings stupid. that you have to worry about fucking um,
2: stupid it's so lame it's so yeah. like eh, it's very lighthearted. no it's not it, stupid
0: and and so they're all dressed up i mean hector's like in a freaking tuxedo or something like he's just everyone's dressed to the nines um but it's it's sunday it's uh, easter sunday and that's that's what i did not pick up the first time uh how much time had passed but they're definitely down like in the wilshire like mid wilshire area or something yeah. uh and, and it's definitely that mall that's right over there on wilshire uh whatever that is it's essentially over it's essentially the mall that they that they were at earlier um and uh, they're at a, They're at the the street, and Samantha's like across the street. And the the lights are still working. You know, the, the lights haven't gone off yet. The power to the city is still functioning. And the the light is the the walk sign is not on. They can't walk. Like it's saying don't walk. And Samantha's like, hey, blah blah blah. You know, why are you guys over there? And she's like, well, we don't. You know, Regina's like, we don't cross against the sign. We are what she say like like all of all of civilization is on. Is burdened on our shoulders essentially. Like the burden of civilization is on them. They meaning they have to be civilized. They have to sort of carry civilization with them. Samantha's like like fuck you. Like who gives a shit? And yeah, you know she steps out into the street, and as she does, she literally almost gets run over. I thought that was kind of funny. I, I know that like overall it doesn't make sense, but I was like, I, I kind of enjoyed the gag of it. The moment that she steps on the street, she almost gets run over. Um, But yeah, a kid, a kid like kind of scritches squir- around, screeches, pulls back around. And I, and I also liked his dialogue where he's like, Hey, you shouldn't cross uh, against the, the light. You know, <laughs> yeah. I was like, cool. I, I was like, I like that. That's fine. And um, yeah,
2: I liked her scene. I didn't yeah. like Reggie's turn. Right, Reggie's right. like suddenly this prim and proper uh Stepford wife.
0: House, Stepford wife, housewife or something I'm just afterwards. Like, no,
2: yeah. no, 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 no. This is not the route I wanted to see her go. And yeah. She's a badass. She's a badass. Yeah. And she knows and how to fucking you know. And Hector's wearing another costume. <laughs>
0: And they just and Samantha and the boy, uh, we found out his his name is it doesn't matter what his name is, but his initials as he drives away on his license plate is DMK. So we know that he was the initials on, on Tempest. And then as he drives away, uh, you know, they say something like be back by 12 by midnight, you know, then they go play football in the street. So my mm-hmm. wife was like, OK, so if she was had a problem with crossing against the, yeah. the light, then why are they playing football in the street? And it fades to credits. Yeah. And, and,
2: and, that cr- and the fact that she has a curfew.
0: <laughs> I don't have a problem with the curfew part because I, I, it, it all coincides with them saying like the burden of society is on yes. their shoulders. The problem I have is what you said is that I feel like Regina's character became so Stepford Wive neutered like, right at the climax, right at the fucking climax of the entire film is my biggest problem with this entire movie. I love the first act. I very much enjoy the second act. I think it falls apart in the third act and yeah. like I and it's in its budget stuff, but at the same time I just, I also think it was like like character stuff that I had a problem with. Hector just completely just not essential to this entire story to be truthful with you. And if you were going to put him in there just cut him back or give him something like him. We talked about it, him going to San Diego as a character moment from him. But what did we really fucking learn about his character in San Diego that we didn't already know?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, so I have some, some thoughts on this. Uh, I, I know that Kelly Maroney and Catherine Mary Stewart loved working on this movie. seems like pretty much everybody did. And I know this movie has its faithful fans up and down. Uh, Catherine Mary Stewart even mentioned in the interview I did with her about how this uh, these two sisters showed up at a convention with a book that they had made uh, as kids. Uh, or no, sorry, a brother and a sister showed up with with a book that they had made as kids of like stick figures recreating every scene in the movie, and 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 I I think that's awesome. And I don't want to shit on any fans at all. Like, if you love this movie, that's great. Uh, like, sincerely, I mean that to the bottom of my heart. There are movies that I love that people are like, oh, my God, you like that movie?
0: Yeah. Hey, not... I like, guys, I like Chronicles of Riddick. So, yeah. you, know, yeah. uh, you know. Hey,
2: you like hardware. No.
0: <laughs>
2: Sorry. Zing. Uh, Zing. No, Zing. no but, but seriously, like, I get why people love this movie. I totally see that. I'm just, you and I, I think, uh, faithfully broke down, you specifically, faithfully broke this down in a very honest and and unbashing way. Uh, You know, Kelly Maroney said, Like, I'm reading a quote from the interview I did with her. She said, we all threw ourselves into the film with both feet and our minds and hearts. The audience senses that sub- sub That the audience senses that subliminally. Tom, the director, had tapped into a feeling that universally we all have. What would we all do if a disaster like that happened? We want to think that we would be brave and cope with circumstances and survive. It's everyday people living through extraordinary circumstances, the very definition of story. There's a lot of love flowing through the screen, and people know that, I think. And, like, that's a really heartfelt comment that she Mm -hmm. made. And I don't want to shit on that at all. And I don't think we're shitting on the movie. I think we're just we're like, what will we do to make it us enjoy it more? Yeah. yeah. A- and, and And this is actually a really cool moment for us because I think this is the first time we're reviewing a movie where we're like, we want to love it more. But these are the reasons that held us back from ultimately pushing it into that realm of like, oh, we would totally watch this again. Like yeah. I would I, I know we always kind of do this at the end of every episode. Would you would we watch this movie with a I would watch this movie with a group of people. Yeah. When that day happens, who knows? <laughs> because of our current situation. Um but you know, like it's got it's got enough things going on that made me frustrated where I'm like, yeah, this is not gonna be my go to pick.
0: Yeah. Yeah and and the reason at least for me but i think for you the reason we're frustrated with the parts that we don't like because we see the potential greatness of this movie we yeah. we both like the concept we both love the the main characters um and and Having just seen, you know, Chopping Mall recently, I can see why Kelly Maroney would enjoy this movie more. I mean, (laughs) there was a lot of meat on the bones for for Catherine Mary Stewart and Kelly Maroney to do in this movie and knowing what we knew what we know about this era that was not the norm for no. female actresses, pr- protagonists, you know, to have this sort of much. I just wish that they weren't neutered at the end. I wish that that third act wasn't so just goddamn slow or just, like, just not well executed. And, yeah, sure, maybe it's the budget. And, I mean, it is. It's the budget. And yeah. every all the actors were doing the best they could within that budget. But... You know, I mean, 30 years later and all we're left with is the end result. We don't think about what the budget is and everything. And I just wish they could have maybe retooled that third act to to more properly, I guess, co- he, uh, coalesce with the budget that they have. I, you know, I, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like, well, that third act just felt very lacking to me.
2: Well, you know, you just reminded me of a movie we reviewed that we kind of had the same problem with, which was Terror Vision. Um and the third act being the slow part of the movie yeah. you know like the i would say the the two thirds third act uh you know because like the very end was 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 good yeah. but um yeah like i i feel like uh, look the movie's been made already you know and, and i and i personally i look at it and go i don't someone on imdb uh wrote a really mindfully respectful respectful review of this movie and said like in their opinion and I kinda share it. It's not this extraordinary groundbreaking um revolutionary film that its fans have kind of put it up on a pedestal. It's like a fun eighties film that will definitely be remembered, but it's not a I wouldn't put it at the top of a list, personally. Mm
0: no it sad, sadly for me like this this review us talking about it for you know two hours and 45 minutes I mean like I've never I don't spend this much time talking about something that I love unless I'm talking about it with you or, or like another podcast so like I I feel like I gave it the best shot I could possibly give it and I, I don't hate this movie I will say
2: <clears throat> yeah me neither
0: that I like it more now than I did a couple of days ago. Uh, before I watched it for the first time. So, like, basically, you know, going into this, you know, my feelings towards the movie were were a certain way. And now I'll say I do actually enjoy it a little bit more than I did going into it. Um, but there's still a lot that's lacking for me. And for me, this movie will probably more just live as the kind of movie that, Like you said, when I have people over, we're all drinking, hanging out. If you just want something on in the background to just to have playing with, like while music is playing and you don't have to like pay attention to the dialogue, I would probably pop this on. If anything, it's amazing for the for the shots of the city for Los Angeles as as a cross section of its time. Uh, Kind of like how The Exterminator, you know, you got to see 1980. Or eighty one, whatever it was, um, uh, New York Times Square and everything like that was awesome. Like seeing like like locations at that time, that was really fucking cool. So in the same regard, it's it's a it's wonderful to watch. You know, for the fashion, it's wonderful to to see downtown L A. being completely empty. And uh, you know, I truly do enjoy. I would say two thirds of this film as as a whole, but the parts that I the parts that I don't enjoy, like weigh it down like a fucking anchor for me. And I, I try to get past them. There's plenty of movies out there where I can get past the parts that I don't like, but I think truthfully, no bullshit. I love the concept of this movie so much that I think the parts that I don't like, I get pissed off because I'm like, fuck, I wish this was better. Like, I want this to be better.
2: I think, I think one of the reasons, and I'm going to speak for you. And I, and if, if you don't agree, let me know. But I think one of the reasons why we're being a little more harsh on this movie than we would be on like an Exterminator or or a Cyborg is because those movies are the type of movies that people go, Yeah, it's so bad it's good kind of thing. You know, people who do like cyborgs say, Oh yeah, but it's I know it's terrible and, and Van Damme's ridiculous, but it's but that's why I like it. This one is more like, oh no, this movie's really good, mm-hmm. and if you go on, I almost said message boards. If you go on, uh, you know, blog blogs, <laughs> <Social> <laughs> I'm totally media. dating myself. All, I yeah. know,
0: right? Like all that's. And it's funny that you mentioned that because, like, literally, those things used to be uh, important. Now yeah. all that's left is yeah. social media. Yeah, if
2: you go on any sort of aspect of social media. Uh, in regards to Night of the, Night of the Common, there there are a couple, the people put made lapel pins based on the characters that look really fucking cool. Uh, there's a lot of fan art that looks really fucking cool. There's a lot of tributes that are really well written and done and just glorious. Um, so I think that's why we're being a little more harsh on it because people have like put this on the pedestal of a, a, a of a top horror sci-fi movie of the eighties, I wouldn't put it in the top 20, you no. know, personally, no. I think there are far better. Every movie's flawed, but to the point where are like the third act, you're, 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 you're you're looking at your watch to see when it's going to end. That's not the sign of a good movie. You know, no. I no. mean, killer clowns from outer space deserves more recognition than this movie. Uh, you know, I, I was like, kind of, it's funny when you go on IMDb, they're like movies similar to this and night of the creeps killer clowns from, I'm like, there's really no connection at all to those <laughs> other, movies
0: other than like 1980s horror. Yeah.
2: And, and that being said, night of the creeps definitely has some flaws too, but you don't see people like applauding that
0: like, Probably, like ch- champion in it. Like, like, yeah, yeah I, I, I know what you mean. And again, no, no disrespect to people who do like this movies. Uh, to this movie, totally, Like, totally. like I will, I, I'm, I am a lifelong Friday Thirteenth fan, and Jason X is my favorite movie in the entry in the series, and I will fucking die on that hill defending it. I will die on the hill defending Chronicles of Riddick. You know, Be- but yes. in the back of my head, I also know that empirically, those are not great movies. And, and again, I'm not shitting on any one person. It just seems to me that a lot of people hold this in very high regard. And I just, I just don't think that it's warranted. It, it, I do think that it is warranted when it comes to the two leads. I think they are the best part of this fucking movie. And they deserve every bit of recognition, uh, every bit of praise every bit of nostalgic love uh, for them, that they deserve all of that. What I wanted to see was those characters in a better movie. That's all.
2: Yeah, yeah, and, I, and, and, that's, and that was my point, too, is that if you love this movie, amen to you. Like yeah, that's great. that That's great. That's fucking great. Uh, of the slasher, you, you said Jason X. Of the slasher genre uh, camp films, Sleepaway Camp is actually my favorite. I like it more than Friday the Thirteenth, hands down. Any of the Friday the Thirteenth movies, I would take Sleepaway Camp over all those. And I, that, that I
0: just, as someone who just picked up Sleepaway Camp for nine ninety nine on Blu Ray, Scream uh, Factory at Walmart, I cannot wait for us to eventually get to Sleepaway Camp.
2: And we will get to that. And 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 I and 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 I swear up and down that that movie is a fucking classic. That's me personally. I'm not shitting on this movie at all. I'm just saying like these are, they're, they're little things. They're little things in that Ikea shelf that we just built that I either a, I forgot to put in and B uh, like, let's put those, let's, let's see if we can tighten those screws a little bit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I so for me to, to summarize my thoughts, um, you know, I, I love like you did the, the first two acts. Uh, I really do. So on, a, it just you know,
0: I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I don't know. What, I don't know what to say. I don't even know if I could recommend it. You know, like like if, if you've never seen it before, like I don't. I guess I I would say yes, just for the awesome LA shots. Like if you've never seen it yeah. before, but yeah, I I don't think I could I could recommend it. And you know, like I'm also I also have like my my wife's like. You know her assessment in my ear too, because we watched it. You know this the same time, and when, the, when we watched it together, the movie was over, and we we're like, huh, didn't quite love that. And she, we literally just watched like Chopping Mall like a few weeks prior, and her and I were like hootenhower in the entire movie. Like she loved it; she she thought it was amazing. You know, and and yeah. it's just like, you know, I, I'm just like, okay, it's not just me. It, it's I know it's not just me, and it's not just you. You know, so. Who knows, man? Who who knows? But I feel like we put it on. We put it out there. We put it on the tape. It's out there, and uh, guys and gals, please let us know what you think. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I'm totally open to, to dialogue, discussion about the stuff that we we didn't like. You know, please tell us what we what we missed on on the stuff that we didn't like. Feel free. You know, we're available on on Facebook, on Instagram, and all that kind of stuff. But I, w- I would love to hear it. Just just let us know what you know. What it is we don't see here.
2: And look, and and I have to put this out there too. Uh, Somebody on Aliens Day said that Aliens was, Aliens, the sequel, was like uh, overrated or like, you know, not, I'm paraphrasing, basically said it wasn't good. And I'm like, I totally don't agree with anything you just said whatsoever, but you are entitled to your opinion. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh I would love to see you try to defend that because I don't think you can. I think we laid out enough evidence to show that this movie is uh, can can definitely should be appreciated for its groundbreakingness. Uh but it's not a f- it's a flawed film. Fair, it's know? a very flawed film. It's a flawed, it's a very film. flawed film. And yeah. and and you know and then the 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 Shout Factory Blu-ray is beautiful. It's got it's a great transfer. Uh there's great interviews on it as well. It's commentary. It's got some good shit on it. Uh definitely worth picking up if you want to own a piece of, you know, the eighties. you wanna own a film that people are like go gaga over.
0: I I can't wait to never watch my Shout Factory Blu-ray. <laughs> 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 fucking amazon man fucking coronavirus i had to watch it twice on on tubi i couldn't even enjoy the the blu-ray hd quality of it well and
2: i i will say shout out to shout factory um because they are in a similar boat where their shit is being shipped out way slower than normal they've been having some pretty good sales and i was able to pick up a bunch of movies cheaper than they sell them on amazon and I got them before some of the Amazon Blu-rays that I ordered, so...
0: Nice. Yeah. Oh, whoa, shit, okay. All so right. shout-out well. to Shout Factory. Shout-out to Shout Factory. And uh, Zach, shout-out to where else we can find you <laughs> online, buddy. You
2: can find me at 2 dollars uh, com. We're on Instagram at $2LateFee Podcast. And we're a trip down memory lane. Um, all things 80s and early 90s. And yeah, we... We try to take the high road and talk about all the things we love about certain movies. We focus on the mo- a movie and a song and, and the year that it came out. Um, and, but we're also very honest about it. We talk about what works and what doesn't work. We don't break down movies. We just kind of wax nostalgic. And we interview celebrities as well on there. Uh, the latest interview we have is Eric Roberts. I mean, if you don't know who Eric Roberts is, you should be turning this podcast off right now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's where you can find me. And co- oh, and also $2 late fees on Twitter and Facebook uh, if you go on there. Where can you, if we find you, Sleazy C?
0: yes sir you can find me every week talking to our buddy Adam about Seinfeld on Cartwright a Seinfeld podcast you can also find me every week talking about comic books with our pal Tess on the ongoing comic book discussion podcast and you know occasionally on talking back and uh, Blast from our past and uh, trying to get on Friday 5 but all the podcasts (laughs) in our (laughs) all the podcasts in our network uh, you can find them all over at BFF bfopnetwork.com. That is bfopnetwork.com, and if you like what we do here, well, you know you uh, you're only getting half the show on the free feeds because we have two other shows that are Patreon exclusive. We have our monthly freeform discussion show called Wrap Up After Dark, where Zach and I just have fun talking about things, catching up. It's I mean it's usually you know conversations related to podcasting after dark in some way, shape, or form. But, you know, we go off on insane tangents. Uh, it's just, it's fun. It's, it's a lot of fun. There's no structure to it, so we just kind of go with it. And then, uh, but the meat and potatoes over at the Patreon page is our Interviews After Dark, which is our exclusive interview series. And we have, you know, as you've seen uh, right now on the, the free feed, we have John Philbin out there. We have uh, Jeanette Goldstein, a.k.a. Vasquez. We interviewed Brian Usna, the director of Society and Return the Living Dead Part 3. We drew, uh, interviewed Diane Franklin, who was in uh, Terror Vision. We also interviewed Zach Ward, who was in Resident Evil. And uh, he was Scott Farkas in A Christmas Story. And we interviewed Tom Matthews, who was in Return of the Living Dead as Freddy. Return of the Living Dead 2. And he's also Tommy Jarvis in Friday the 13th Part uh, uh, 6. Sorry. <laughs> I had to brain fart for a second there. Um, so, yeah. So, we have... Some great stuff over there. Some great stuff coming at you. Uh, we also have some exclusive videos. We have all kinds of uh, stuff over there, and and the most you'll pay is five dollars a month uh, to unlock essentially everything. Yeah.
2: And... Yeah. Those those interviews are 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 great in, in speaking personally, and and they're we have continued to book new people. Um, depending on when and where you listen <laughs> to this, we're in the current state of a pandemic so it's always harder to book people when yeah you know
0: we actually had some people we had we had an awesome uh guest booked and i don't want to say who it is because we're gonna book him afterwards but you know things could fall through but uh i'll just say he was he is the director of one of the movies that we reviewed uh, on here. So hopefully we can get him once all this is done, but yeah, the quarantine definitely put the, uh, a little bit of a hampering on that. But the good thing is we already had uh, some interviews in the queue before the interview, uh, before the quarantine even started. Yep. So we've been able to maintain a monthly release schedule.
2: Yeah. And we are, we are just, just a FYI, give you a little insight into, uh what we do when we record those interviews uh cory's obviously in oregon i'm in los angeles i am doing those interviews in person with the performer that we are are doing the interview with so we do it at a, at a professional studio uh and and you know we have to book that studio and we uh, it's real voice LA, which is a great studio in Los Angeles. If you ever need to do, if fellow podcasters out there who live in LA want to do in-person interviews, but obviously during the pandemic, uh, you know, we could do it over the phone ver- via Skype, but the quality is not going to be good. Um, it's different when you're doing it over the phone and you've never met this person before. I think Corey can also attest to this fact that when we do interview these people, some of them tell stories that they've never told before. And they reveal things to us that they've never told before. Uh, And and so they get very candid. You can't always get that on a phone interview when you've never met that person to begin with. Um, John Philbin specifically, if you don't know who John Philbin is, you know, return of the living dead, new kids and um, children of the corn for you genre fans out there, but he's turtle from North shore. That's what he's mostly known, mostly known for. And Point Break, Tombstone, yada, yada, yada. He was t- telling some stories that never heard before. Uh, he told a story about S- Steven Spielberg and <laughs> being on set d- uh, doing Amazing Stories, which if you don't know what Amazing Stories is, you should check that out too. Uh, <laughs> I love yeah, that show. So, so being a Patreon subscriber, if you're wondering, like, well, why do I got to pay this money? It costs money to book these uh, studio times as well and you know the 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 r&d and um all the other back stuff behind the scenes you know so those of you that have subscribed thank you uh and those of you that are considering it thank you for even considering it and those that can't afford it totally respect and honor that just putting it out there it really means a lot to us so
0: yeah and and we do respect and honor the fact that like right now times are tough. Yes. Totally. And if you want to help the show and you don't have any money and that's totally cool, a free way to do that is to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, it'd be great. A- AKA iTunes, um, whatever you want to call it these days. But, uh, leaving that five-star review goes a long way to get new listeners in, in front of the show, essentially, uh, because the Apple uses those reviews as part of their algorithm. So when you search for something, so we appreciate all the love and support that, that our patrons already give us. Uh, and we look forward to once this quarantine is, you know, over with, we look forward to, We wanted to start, like, going to conventions and stuff, but, you know... 2020 seems to be a wash so we'll see what the fuck happens later in the year but we wanted to start like going to to conventions and meeting people and everything so uh hopefully we'll still do that this year hopefully that'll still be something that happens maybe in the later part of the year but uh that's that is on our goal and uh we appreciate all the love and support you guys give us and we appreciate all the feedback online i mean just all all the fans you guys are great just all all the interaction and everything so and 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 i want I know that, like, and and I know that a lot of the fans that I'm talking to also love this movie. So I do hope that this kind of opens up a a dialogue and we we can have a fun time talking about it online and everything. So just, uh, yeah, have fun with it. All right, buddy boy, take us out of here. All
2: right. As always, we will catch you on the dark side. Join the Podcasting After Dark Patreon community to unlock exclusive monthly content like cast interviews and a fan feedback show. Plus, you get every regular episode of Podcasting After Dark completely ad-free. You can also support the show by rating and reviewing us five stars on Apple Podcasts and by recommending us to your friends. Finally, make sure you follow us on Reddit, Instagram, and Facebook for news and updates about future episodes. Just search for... Podcasting After Dark.